This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 205 of the Batman's podcast. My name is Tim, and I know you're probably hearing this episode a little later than usual, and our schedule has kind of been all over the place lately. And that's kind of due to some busy schedules uh, with me and Dane. And unfortunately, Dane is still not here for me on this episode, because it's been extremely, extremely busy for him. So um, it might be a few episodes till Dane comes back, but he's giving me his blessing that to continue on without him and put out some episodes. So um, we're going to continue to do that. But thankfully, I won't be by myself for this episode. Joining me at long last making his Batman's podcast debut is my fellow Star Wars The Saga Continue co-host and good friend, Paul Herman. Paul, welcome and thank you so much for joining me on this one. 
Wow. Wow. What, a, what that is, that is an entrance, sir. That <laughs> was an entrance. Uh, thank you, Tim. That's an honor to be on any show with you. Uh, and for people who don't know, Tim is one of the, the most pure, good hearted, good human beings in this world and deserves every good thing that happens to him. So just know that I would drop anything to be on do whatever Tim needs me to do. So, and I love Batman. So there, it's, it's a no, it's a win-win for me. So, uh, just, just know that Tim is an amazing person when I say this and I, I love him and I'll, I'll show up whenever he tells me, he just calls my name and I'm like, Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, you're much too kind, Paul, much too kind. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is great. I'm, uh, you know, I missed out. I, um, you know, I, I was wondering if I was able to find a DC place to spew my thoughts and, you know, I didn't even think about your show and, and when you, when you called me up and I was like, I was like, yeah, sure. You know, we fit it in, you know, and sorry if you're hearing it's a little windy here, but, uh, but yeah, but no, this is gonna be great. I'm really excited. There's I mean, fandom, man. That was a dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. You want, you want to take the lead here? Go ahead. But yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, what else can our feature topic be for this episode other than DC fandom yeah. from last yeah. weekend? Yeah, what an event it was. I mean, before we even just get to all the big stuff and the specific panels and trailers we're mm-hmm. going to talk about on this one, just the event itself was phenomenal. I thought they just did a great job. Of having the schedule, I mean, obviously all the stuff was pre-recorded, which definitely helped instead of it being a live stream with live panels. It probably would a lot more hiccups and inconsistencies throughout the day if it was, but everything was pre-recorded and ready to go. And I think for the most part, everything went out without a hitch. So, sorry, scheduling and things starting on time. It was just great. And just having these virtual panels with pretty much the big names in DC movies right now all being there was just so good all having some great content to show, even stuff that they haven't even started filming yet <laughs> was had a presence there and was cool to see. So I just think all around, it was just such a job so well done by DC. And honestly, I hope it's a trendsetter for other companies to do, hint, hint, Star Wars. <laughs> and, and Marvel. Yeah, because... Everybody. Really, this was, I mean... I don't know about you, but I really didn't pay too much attention to Comic-Con at home because there just wasn't really a lot of big stuff going on with that, which was kind of disappointing for some of the biggest Comic-Con. And then when you see DC do their own thing and how great it was, you can kind of see how other companies might take notice and maybe do their own personal events and virtual conventions because it really was so well done. The fact that everybody got to enjoy it um, was great. There was no exclusive panels and trailers that you couldn't see if you weren't there everyone was geeking out and enjoying this stuff so i thought it was yeah. just a great event and hopefully more to come not just from dc but other companies too. well didn't variety come out and say like 22 million people unique viewers or whatever yeah it? Mm-hmm. So, so i mean think about this i think about now not when you do another one of these you, now because they have the advantage of being the first out the gate and testing out all the kinks right so i mean you're talking about things like oh they don't have to you know they already know they can get you know they, they have now an example to show all these people all when i say people i mean advertisers hey everyone you want to advertise your uh your your coke product or pepsi product or whatever or, you know we have 22 million viewers on this thing so not only are you going to you know you're going to be advertising like all your, you know, stuff. You almost, almost had a curse word. Apologize, <laughs> um, but not only, nice are, you know, yeah, not only are you going to be advertising your stuff, but you can get some extra money on on top too. Now, I mean, yeah. think about this. I mean, there is, 
you they have maybe stumbled onto something accidentally because of COVID that may be a game changer for not just for them, but for, like you said, many other things. And to be honest, do you blame them? I mean, like, I mean, you said Comic-Con at home. What, what do they need Comic-Con for? I mean, what's, let's be real. If Comic-Con comes back and Good people point. actually yeah. come back, what, what's the point of doing that? I mean, when you can just pre-record things and have the whole day to yourself and say, instead of trying to be like, well, we, we're the Hall H panel. We dominated. Marvel dominated this year or whatever. Now you don't have to do yeah. that. Say, you know what? I'm going to wait two weeks after this, do- this comes out and we're going to have the whole day to ourselves and we're going to promote all these things and pull these things out and we're going to control things and... It, to me, it, it's a no-brainer. Like these, this is the future. And I think you know one thing about DC that doesn't get enough credit. And those who, who listen to the show may have heard me on other shows knows darn well that I'm a diehard Marvel zombie. I, but it doesn't mean I don't love DC. I, I've grown to love DC the last you know twelve you know twelve years, fifteen years. You know, but but my early years are always Marvel, diehard Marvel zombie over here, and everyone knows that. But and but the one thing I've always given DC credit for, uh, I would say I think you know going back for a long time now, they tr- they try new things. They are trying different things. Do they fall on their face sometimes, yeah, potentially. Um, you know, DC Universe app I think is is an it, the idea itself is brilliant. It the execution maybe necessarily wasn't always the greatest and yeah. <laughs> it didn't you know, or whatever. But again, the idea is there. It just, it's maybe a little too early for that kind of idea. I think, the, but I still think it's a great idea. It oh, just totally, means, yeah. You know, as far as having a one-stop shop for DC characters or whatever fandom you want. But this, you know, this might be a little bit too early for them. You know, they might be a little bit too early for this. You know, it, it might, it might be uh, five or eight years too early. But with Fandome, they, you know, trying this out, this might actually be they're like they might be the ones that start the trend because and it just makes a lot of sense because it like you said tim it was not only just a success i think just for us as fans like oh we got so much great content because it was it was we got great great stuff what we but also it was a success for them from a standpoint of man like this was we from a business sense we dominated and this could be potentially how we do things going forward because i just don't see them wasting time and money and energy into Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con in the future, even yeah. if people can come, if they can dominate this much and don't have to do any, and don't have to compete with anyone. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine them ever going to a Comic-Con again, as far as, you know, big stuff showing off the movies. I'm sure they'll have a comic presence at Comic-Con, but... You would hope like, so. Yeah, <laughs> but for like these giant panels and reveals and stuff, I mean, it's been already proven a success that they didn't need that. So I totally agree as far as yeah, th- this is going to be the future. It's hard to see it not being now, just seeing how successful it was. And you made a great yeah. point, too, about not being able to, not having to worry about competing with anyone at Comic-Con because it mm-hmm. always goes mm-hmm. in the morning. That's when Warner Brothers has their Hall H panel. It was amazing. DC owns Comic-Con or Hall H this year. Then a few hours later, Marvel has theirs. And Marvel outdoes DC. And they have the best Hall H panel this year. So it always goes back and forth. And they don't have to worry about mm-hmm. that this time. Where they just and, and, dominated yeah. the headlines for the whole weekend. And think about this. You know, when when did the last time the Star Wars ever go into you know Hall H and try to you know bang you know 
bang things together and take over everything and by storm. Was it the Force Awakens panel? Yes, that one time. That was that it. That one time, that was it. So, I mean, it's not like even Disney is, besides Marvel, because Marvel only has a history because, you know, Comic-Con, obviously, and Marvel has a history of being at Comic-Con. Besides that, like, again, this might change things. And I think Marvel should emulate, you know, them at, at this point, to, to be quite honest. So... So, yeah, I, I'm definitely in, in favor of, of them and anyone else doing this kind of thing. Yeah, and it, it was just a fun day for us fans, too, just all being excited that morning. Can't wait for it to get going and just anticipating each panel. It was it was just a lot of fun. I mean, you and me <laughs> were having trouble finding the video link at first. Yeah, no kidding. The homepage was like, words Because we I think we were both on the schedule page and thinking it was yeah. going to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we're like, where is it? This, oh, we gotta go. Yeah, and, and we both got it at the same time, right? Yep. <laughs> we, yeah. Made it just in time for the Wonder Woman '84 panel, which kicked it off. But we're not going to start with that just yet. I'm going to go in the order of the different mediums that they showed. So, to kick off our discussion for the DC fandom recap, going to start off with the video game announcements, which we had two big ones. And the first one that kicked off that morning, I think it was right after the Wonder Woman 1984 panel, but it was the reveal of the next game by Warner Brothers Montreal, and it's going to be Batman Gotham Knights. And this one was a slash surprise and expected (laughs) as far as announcements goes, because they were kind of teasing it on social media that whole week, giving these clues and the big tease that everyone was putting together about it having to deal with the court of owl so that's what i was expecting this announcement to be just a kind of a new batman arkham style type game because it's the same studio that did arkham origins which is a great game and this is going to be about focused on the court of owls and i was excited for that i think that would be make for a cool game i just think using the court of owls is this lo- loving that story so much in the comics i always love when different mediums are taking that as an adaption the animated movie batman versus robin did a solid job of adapting that story i think they'd make for a great use in a live action batman movie and the same thing for video games you can make a great game with those court of owls being the center of that story but i what i was not expecting was for this game to focus on the bat family members and have batman not be involved at least at the start of the game because i have a hard time believing like in the trailer it says batman leaves a video message to everyone saying, if you're watching this, I'm dead. So you're left to assume Batman is dead in this game, but I have a feeling that's not going to last throughout the whole story. <laughs> but um, you get to be Nightwing, Batgirl, Red Robin, or not Red Robin, Robin, the Tim Drake Robin. I know there was some confusions <laughs> when that was first revealed. Is this Tim Drake? Is it Damien? But it Thank is Tim. God. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely happy about that. And then Red Hood. So. A game based on the Bat family members where you're only them sounds really cool. And the thing that has me real excited is co-op play. Having It's been a while since we've had a Batman co-op game. The last one that comes to mind is The Rise of Sin Tzu, which was the very on the very first Xbox and the PS2 and GameCube, which is a, kind of old school, top-down, beat-em-up style co-op game. But it's been a few console generations since we had a Batman game like that. And there's been some multiplayer modes and some of the arc arkham games but i never really got into those so the fact we're getting a story-based co-op game where you can choose between the different bat family members like nightwing batgirl red hood and robin i mean i'm just eating that up as a batman fan the concept sounds really cool the only downside for me right now is that it's not a four-player co-op game it's only two-player co-op 
And it's part of me thinks he got four characters to choose from. Why can't you kind of base the game and level design and combat around having four player co-op? It's almost like the old school days where there would be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games and you'd only be able to be two players. It just doesn't feel right when you can't be the whole cast, the whole roster that's on there. But other than that, the combat looks really fun. The graphics look um, solid right now. It's still kind of in the early stages, like the alpha stages, so it's not finished, which you could kind of see in that trailer, but it's off to a nice start. And the gameplay looks good, and I, I'm excited for it. It's a co-op game with Batman characters. The Court of Owls are going to have a presence there as they were revealed in the final bits of the trailer. So, yeah, it's coming out in 2021. No exact date yet, but I'm really excited for this one. So, about the four-player co-op thing, I could have sworn Chris and the Ryans from Batman on Film, I don't think they said that it was four players. The Suicide Squad is four players, but the bat the gotham knights one isn't at least i'm going by the official really? press release what that was announced on saturday maybe okay. things have changed but i'm just going by what was announced there well they, yeah because i thought they yeah because they were all talking about all of us you know take we, we all had our characters we could play for the four-player co-op so and they said you know because it worked out perfectly because we all we all had to have our characters and they all ended up being the, the ones left over or whatever so <laughs> the all didn't pick the same ones yeah yeah so we were I all always like, thought good yeah, so it worked out well. But they talked about that, so maybe I'm wrong. But Or maybe uh, I missed it. Maybe they changed something in the official press release that I wasn't aware of, which I'll, I'll be happy to be wrong on this. <laughs> the games, it seems, made for co Listen, as you, as you know me too well, Tim, I'm not the biggest gamer in the world, but I, I could. But that's what they were saying, you know, and everything. So I'm just going off those guys, and those guys are giant gamers. So yeah, so I Ryan I'm, and uh, Chris. Kind of tend to believe them more than what I read, so I'll have to look into that more. See if I yeah, look into that. that. Well, for this, you know, and, and Tim, you're kind of the you and Chris are definitely the, you know as we're there for my renaissance of playing games again. Again, that's yeah. very put it mildly, uh, or put it the best way possible. I, I'm not like the big of a gamer still, but I definitely play more than I used to. Um, that being said, I definitely am excited and plan on playing this game. Uh, because I love all those characters pretty much that you can play. I love Nightwing, I love Red Hood, I love Batgirl, and I love Robin, Tim Drake Robin specifically. So yeah, that was that was kind of a surprise. I again, not being the biggest gamer, but I love all those characters pretty much. So I'm I'm in. I mean, especially Red Hood. I've, I've turned into a huge Red Hood fan. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I lo- I love that character to death. And I, he's such a complex character, and I, I love him. And I. I'm stoked that he's kind of like as a as a he's turning more into like an anti-hero slash kind of a good guy now, so that that gets me excited. And the fact you can play him in this game as a, as a hero is pretty cool. So I, I'm excited. Again, I'm not the biggest gamer, so I won't lie. Everyone's costumes look good except for Robin. I'm just gonna say it right now. Robin looks kind of weak. Yeah, I know what you mean, but at the same time, I'm not too worried about that because I'm sure there's gonna be tons of customizable skins hey, that you can use for the characters. Remember back in our Spider-Man days, the Spider-Man costume, I used to hate, yep. <laughs> hate that costume. And you know what? I kind of like it now. So it's just, But even it, then, you're able to change it like right away if you want. True. To. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? That should be the way it is. You know, but for marketing purposes and, and advertising and, you know, trying to get it, squeeze as much out of that sponge money as possible, you want to try to like capitalize on all the people who collect everything, Robin, Batman, whatever, so different costumes is, is, a, is a financially smart decision. 
but the, making people play in that, forcing people to make it play in that costume, not a smart decision. But they've made the right decision, probably, or will make the right decision of letting you pick a new costume pretty much out the gate. And I'm pretty sure if Tim Drake gets a 90s option right out the gate, that's like 80% of the people playing oh, yeah. playing <laughs> 90s Tim, you know, Tim Drake Robin. So, which again, another side note, it's very convenient that they, that uh, Robin or Tim Drake turns back into Robin here in a few months. And then obviously we get the Tim Drake uh, Robin in this game now. So yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. And hopefully stays that way for a while now in comics. Cause and I remember when rebirth was first announced the fact that Tim Drake was going to be in his classic Robin costume was yeah. one of the biggest Perfect. highlights for me. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, you know, I, I still, and I still love the red Robin costume, the original one. Yeah. Mm. You know, the, the, the Alex Ross one, if you will. Uh, that to me is a, is a fantastic looking costume. Why don't they bring him in that? Like I never understood when they when they did New Fifty Two, and they put Tim Drake in that really crappy one. Oh, that like, was what? awful. Yeah. It, what was it? What, what happened? Is just keep him a regular one. That's like that's almost iconic at this point. Yeah, really. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it in the. They're making that kind of choose your own adventure. Death in the oh. Family animated. Oh, movie. I've seen it. Oh, okay. I, I've seen it. I, I've seen it. There, there's, there's something coming. That's all I gotta say. There's something. Whoa, something's coming. Um, if you get that reference, that's awesome. Uh, no, there is. I, I just say, I'll just say this. There are plans within plans regarding that thing and other things. I'll just tease it here now. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. So, <laughs> I, I, I swear, I would have told you this already. Yeah, this Did I already news- tell you this? No, this is news to me, but at the same Seriously? time, it's hard not to see how that's stuff that could be on the horizon. With all we'll, the stuff we'll, you're talk. we'll We'll talk. We'll talk. You'll, 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 I think you'll get stoked, but we'll talk. Anyway, yes, I am well aware. And I thought I was stoked when I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> it was cool to see it be making a comeback. But, and I just looked at it too. Every site I'm seeing right now is saying it's only two player co op, which is a bummer, but who knows? Maybe it could okay. be. Switched in an update or a maybe, patch or something like that later. Down right, down. right. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they just they misunderstood them. They must have, because they were like acting like it was like you know, it was a uh, what's the word? What's, it's canon or whatever. And that's not canon or word, but it's gospel truth. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, it's it's so, so easy to assume that. That's immediately what I thought when I saw the trailer. Four characters, four player co-op. Why else wouldn't it be that way? That's why it's a yeah, little yeah, I was bummed right? when I saw that. It was only two player. Well, you know what? Either way. Me and you can play Red Hood and Tim Drake Robin, and I'm good with that. <laughs> Fine by me, but though I'd probably be Dick Grayson. But <laughs> well, I thought you're. Oh, I forgot you're a big Dick Grayson fan. Hey, I yeah. love Nightwing too. I mean, I I get it. I get it. Yeah, so it, it would be Tim Drake is definitely my second favorite Robin, without question. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I mean, do you know what's funny? So, again, so sidetrack as me and Tim often will do, and every <laughs> whether it be a podcast or our normal conversation. Yeah, no, uh, I'm I, I ne- there. Yeah, no, but really quickly, I, I never, I, I know Dick Grayson's Robin, but I just don't ever consider him Robin for some reason anymore. I, I don't, I, when I say favorite Robin, I don't even count him Robin. I always just consider him Nightwing. See, that's interesting, but I could, at the same time, I totally get why that could be the case, too. I mean, yeah. depending how much either more comics you've read of him as Nightwing, so that's why you associated more him than Robin. So I totally get that. I guess it just right. kind of depends on the most you consumed of that character in whatever period you were reading or watching, depending on TV shows too, because well, right. Nightwing and TV shows also. Yeah. Well, and let's be real. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to assume for you that you've been, he's been your Robin only because of the TV show and the cartoon, 
Yeah. You know, you know, and plus the early Batman comics I would have read was still, I'd be reading stories with Dick Grayson as Robin, even yeah. though during the time period I was growing up, Jason Todd was the Robin, but I wasn't reading current comics as that young of an age. I was like, yeah, no, I was eight of us were old at the time. Yeah, first exactly. getting exposed to Batman. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, I just, it's just a side note. I never ever considered Dick Grayson Robin. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's just kind of what I just naturally do. So, anyway, continue. Oh, yeah, I totally understand it. But speaking of a game that is going to have four-player co-op, that is going to be Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. And this was the big reveal for Rocksteady's upcoming new game. And they announced it on social media two weeks ago. Maybe it was more than two weeks ago, but uh, a little bit before DC Fandom. So we knew what their game was going to be, and it was going to be a Suicide Squad game. And I said on our last episode that the Suicide Squad isn't my favorite corner of the DC universe. I like the characters fine. There's some great characters there. But for that to be the focus of Rocksteady's next game didn't necessarily get me super excited. But at the same time, it's a game coming from Rocksteady. I know it's going to be done really well and probably be awesome. So I'm going to look forward to it. And this one, this whole thing was a little bit of a letdown for me, mainly because it was just a CG cutscene trailer with Harley, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang and King Shark and basically setting up the story for what it's going to be. Um, we get to see some of their antics. We see their them in action and their different abilities and what the story is going to be as far as why Amanda Waller is hauling the, hiring them to take out. Well, I shouldn't say hiring them, <laughs> but using them to take out the Justice League and the trailer show Superman. And I was wondering what's going to be the reason for that. And the reveal in the trailer is that it looks like Superman is under the control of Brainiac. And we can probably assume the rest of the Justice League is. And it's up to the Suicide Squad to try to take him down before they do real damage to the Earth. And when I saw that, it just didn't excite me. Because it's stories we've seen before with Superman being taken over and doing evil stuff. And I think it'd be a little more interesting if they would... Art Suicide Squad is really going after the Justice League while they're the heroes and in full control of themselves and make for a more interesting story dynamic as to why Amanda Waller would feel now is the time to try to take out the Justice League instead of it kind of being a reactionary type thing because they're evil now and being controlled. So again, the trailer looked cool. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be great because it's coming from Rocksteady and they, their track record is amazing. So I'm obviously still going to play it. I'm still going to buy it when it comes out. But I'm just not super excited for it right now. Maybe once I see some actual gameplay stuff, it'll get me more hyped for it. But right now, just seeing this CG trailer and the story behind it, um, just not super pumped for it at the moment. Yeah, this one, when I first started hearing about it, I thought, like you, Tim, what was the reason why they were going to hunt the Justice League? And that was really intriguing. And when they revealed what they were, they were kind of being taken over or mind wiped or not mind wiped, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Take, control. I was, yeah, I was, um, okay. I, I get it now. I, I, I can see that. I can see where you would need that, but it wasn't very exciting either. So I'm kind of in the, I, I'm whatever. I'll probably end up getting this game. I'll be honest. I'm just, I still probably, looking more forward to this than i am the avengers game that's coming from a marvel zombie yo yeah so, man, i don't know what it exactly is i cannot get hyped for that game <laughs> there's a few reasons but an avengers game for this with this console generation and probably going to be upgraded to the next one too should be an instant easy day one purchase yeah. but for some for 
I'm going to say for some reasons, but there's some specific reasons too. I'm not super excited I mean, for again, it. But it feels weird not being excited for it, like you said. Well, it's because it's Captain America's wearing hockey pads. What do you yep. expect, man? <laughs> I mean, come on. The designs are terrible. Thor That's a big terrible. deal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the designs are not good. Like, it's, it, let's be real. The cosmetic things, like, I get, again, I get that they, they got to try to sell like these looks, but God, can you at least look at the source material? Yeah, I hate when that becomes like the main focus of a game where like the whole loot system and collect right. in-game collectibles and all that stuff where that seems to overfocus because it seems like the multiplayer and that side of the game seems more the focus than the actual story and the story is kind of like a side thing. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> think, think of it like, like this. It's like, you know when you do a copy of a copy of a copy? It mm-hmm. like gets more distorted and it gets away from what it looked like from originally. This is uh, from like a, a regular paper copy. So mm-hmm. the, the original copy or the original copy, AKA or example one would be the comic book design. Then they go to the movies, the movies do their, their variation. They take it off. And now again, it's their take their copy of the copy. And then now you have video game people who are doing their copy off the films, not the comics necessarily. Yeah. But this is a, a this is obviously a play on the films, and because of that, it's a copy of a copy. So the distortion rate of how true these characters are, even in the looks department, is pretty varied, in my opinion. So because of that, you're getting a real like just distorted, not a great, great version. So, and again, going back to these DC games, though. These are they're based on these, these off the original comic characters, so it's not like they're going back to these film versions that go from mm-hmm. they're going back from the original uh, material source material and they're saying, Hey, let's, let's do our version of this, whatever. So they're in the right, they're all and to be honest. Well, even Captain Boomerang is obviously based off his movie version, and and I would say the Suicide Squad, you know, what, I'll take it back. I'm looking forward to Suicide Squad more than Avengers, but I, I do have issues with death with Deadshot. He looks too Iron Man to me. Everyone else that's, is okay. That's a fair point, yeah. Him flying around with a jetpack, or I don't know if it's a jetpack or rocket boots or something, but him yeah, flying right, around like right, that with right. his helmet. Yeah, I could see that. And 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 yeah. So there's. We'll, we'll get. We'll, I'll revisit Deadshot in our recommendations slash comic book reviews. I'll explain more later. But um, but yeah, that's probably my one issue with with the with the Suicide Squad as far as designs go. And let's face it, Captain Boomerang is his look is in the comics is so ridiculous. I mean, it, you have to go with the movie version. It's like it, it's not that hard either. It's like yeah. <laughs> literally a coat and a beanie with a, with a freaking boomerang on it. It's like come on, that's not that's not rocket science. So it's not like it's that hard to you know take these characters and you know whatever. But uh, the Avengers, I feel like, is the source material. They're they're going from the films, not, not the, the original source material. Which is, to, in my opinion, when you go away from the comic books the source material, that's when you got issues when you're trying to do these other mediums, whatever transitions. So I don't care what you are, whether it be a freaking well, books doesn't really matter. It's prose and words. And I don't care about that, but uh, I'm talking about, you know, video games, films, cartoons, whatever you don't, if they don't, if they start ignoring the source material, that's when the shows go off the rails, whether it be thematically, you know, looking, you know, how they look, whatever. So I, yeah, hopefully it sounds, but you know, again, going back to suicide squad, it looks like it's in, it's in thematic thematically and everything. It looks pretty good. Some, you know, again, dead shot withstanding. I think we'll see. 
I, I'm interested. I, I'm inter- interested to see how this works out. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more on the, what you're saying about the Marvel Avengers game. That's a, I think it's kind of a Marvel issue in general where the MCU is just so successful and it's the most popular mm-hmm. thing in movies right now. They just feel like they have to copy yeah, what they're point. doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it's exactly. just like, no, kind of do your own thing. You can take some stuff that's like homage to it and take inspiration from, but just to do an exact copy, like you see in an animated show, even the comics are taken from it too. When, But now with yeah. the game, with the Avengers game, you're totally seeing that. It's kind of like, do your own thing. It's mm-hmm. like, put your own mark in the in the in the Marvel universe now and have people take inspiration from you eventually down the line if it works for doing your own thing. Absolutely. So that's kind of the thing where I always appreciate where when game studios and animation studio, whatever the project is, kind of do they're trying to do their own thing and take some inspiration, but not like a just a total copy of what it seems like this game is. So Yeah. Yeah, so that's the two big game reveals we got, which was cool. And but I'm definitely more excited for Batman Gotham Knights at this point. And it's coming a lot sooner, too. Like I said, that's 2021. And I was surprised the Suicide Squad killed the Justice League not till 2022 that it was that far out. But I think Rocksteady wants to play it safe and gives himself enough time before having a confirmed release date in 2021 and then having to push it back later. So hopefully it's kind of early 2022, but we'll wait and see. So we still got a long ways to go before we see more of that game. But moving on from that, just a brief bit of TV news that we got, and this is regarding Titan Season 3, which they had a panel with some of the cast on there. And no trailers or anything like that, because I don't believe they started filming yet. And if so, it's probably very little. I don't believe they started. But there were a couple of big reveals that we've got confirmed at the panel that we can expect to see in Titan Season 3. And a lot of it's going to be Batman-related, where they're going to be actually going to Gotham in this season. And not only are they going to be going to Gotham, but they're going to be facing off against some, or I should say right now at this point, just one, but a familiar Batman foe in the Scarecrow. And I'm really excited about that. Scarecrow is my second favorite Batman villain, as you guys heard me say a lot. And for the most part, he's been done really well in live action. Obviously, Batman Begins, Killian Murphy did a great job as Scarecrow in Batman Begins and his brief appearance in The Dark Knight. And then even, believe it or not, Gotham's portrayal of Scarecrow his visual look was really, really cool. They did a great job of having different designs of Scarecrow throughout the various seasons, taking inspiration from different designs he had in the comics and looked really cool. So I'm excited to see what Titans does for their look of the Scarecrow. And then another reveal was that Barbara Gordon is confirmed to be in this season. I know there were rumors about that early on, saying that she was going to be a central figure in season three, and that's going to be the case. But she's actually going to be Commissioner Barbara Gordon. So they're taking their own spin on with Barbara and her relationship with the Titans and her role in Gotham right now as commissioner. Obviously we've seen her as commissioner in Batman beyond, but at much older age. So it'll be kind of interesting to see um, how she, or why she decided to take on the role as commissioner in this story at a much younger age. And then probably the biggest reveal that we got is, you know, Jason Todd didn't leave on good terms at the end of season two with the Titans And they said that he's going to be coming back as Red Hood in season three. And this is obviously the biggest change they're doing from the source material as far as his transition into Red Hood. Obviously, I mean, maybe there's going to be a big time jump and they will do it where he was killed by the Joker. It comes back. But at this point, I really don't see that happening. I really think they're taking their own spin on the character and doing their own unique story with him becoming the Red Hood. And I feel it's going to be more 
of an act of feeling betrayed by his team. Right. And in some, in some case with Batman too, it decided to go on that route and kind of become more of that anti-hero um, and that more violent anti-hero than the Titans and other members of the Bat family have been. So it's going to be interesting to see them uh, go this different route, but I'm excited to see it and see how it all plays out. I just hope this season has a more consistent through line with its story because I just really felt season two was all over the place in certain episodes where the main story aspect having to deal with Dick's transition into Nightwing and Deathstroke was underused in a lot of areas and where there was just too much going on and that should have been the main focus. So whatever their main storyline for season three is, I just really hope it sticks with that and there's not a whole lot more subplots going on that takes away from it. So I'm excited for it. Just hopefully it can be more consistent in season three. But I don't know, Paul, have you watched Titans or started it at all? Well, my question to you is, did uh, Red Hood grow at all? He's like so freaking short. Yeah, <laughs> not really. No. So, we'll, Like I said, we'll see if they do like a time time jump or maybe have him wear some yeah. lifts or something like that, if that's the case. Lifts. <laughs> oh, my God. That, I mean, to be honest, that was it, – it works. I mean, I've only seen the – like. Uh, a good portion of the first season of Titans, which by the way, I like it. I'm just busy and life is gets crazy and you know, everything's, you know, vying for my attention, but, but yeah, like I actually liked him as, as Rob, you know, jerk Robin. The problem yeah, is, great. yeah, the problem is that he's not exactly super tall. So it's like, I need him to be a little bit taller and get a little bit older, but I don't think that's going to happen. No. Yeah. So it's going to be a very different take on the red hood, which is going to be interesting to see what was, the question is if they'll be able to pull it off, <laughs> but uh, it'll probably be again a while before we see our first footage from it because I don't think they started filming yet. But some cool news yeah, to get, nonetheless. But, yeah, I love Red Hood, like I said before. So I honestly made this catch up on the series because I like the series um, and everything. So just to get see Red Hood, so we'll see. Yeah, first time seeing Red Hood in live action, at least the, Jason Todd as Red Hood and kind of one of the more. I mean, it's, it's him and Joker who holds the Red Hood mantles, and we've seen another. Like Gotham did an episode with the Red Hood where they did their own thing with it, but to see an actual main DC character with that, um, with that name, the Red Hood is going to be cool to see finally in live action. And hopefully the costume is good because they could go a few different routes if they wanted to because there have been various versions of that Red Hood helmet and the costume overall. But moving on from TV shows, we're going to go to some animated movie announcements, which we actually got the day after where they had their live premiere of Superman, Man from Tomorrow panel. Uh, I believe it was a live stream through IGN. And after that, they made their announcement of what the 2021 slate is going to be for the DC animated movies. And I am extremely excited for next year's slate. We're going to get four movies. Uh, The first one is going to be Batman Soul of the Dragon, which they announced about a week before DC Fandom. And they released the first image of it, which is going to be kind of like a 70s style kung fu movie (laughs) where it's going to involve Batman, Bronze Tiger, Lady Shiva, and um, it's a character I'm not too familiar with, but it's going to be someone called uh, Richard Richard Dragon, who in the image that was released is pretty much looks like Bruce Lee. So I'm all for this different style of kind of a Batman 70s type kung fu movie because we know Batman has a history with martial arts and uh, the different uh, masters that he's dealt with like lady shiva and the people that he's trained with like bronze tiger so it's going to be cool to see that aspect of the batman's history explored in this movie and it's going to be one that's produced by bruce tim so i'm excited for that one and then they announced uh we're going to get a justice society movie 
called Justice Society World War II. And it's going to be an original story um, that's supposed to be come out in the spring 2021. So that's going to be the second release. But then the biggest news is that we're finally going to be getting an adaption of Batman The Long Halloween. And thankfully, it's going to be one that will be split into two parts, a la The Dark Knight Returns, which is really the only way you can do the story. You can't do it justice by trying to cram it into one animated movie. So that is going to be awesome. And I got to say, too, what also has me excited about it, because we have gotten other adaptions like The Death of Superman and The Reign of the Superman split as a two-part animated movie. But that was set in the DC animated movie universe continuity. So it couldn't really use the art style from the comics or the specific story beats in the comics. I mean, they did a good job of following it, but it had to fit into that continuity they established way back in Justice League War. So the fact that that continuity is done now, and it gives me excited that hopefully this one is going to be like those old movies that it looks like the art style that the comic is based on. So if the designs are looking like Tim, Tim sales designs, that's going to be awesome to see in animation. So I'm really excited about this one. Hopefully it's something that's going to be like the Dark Knight Returns where it is a faithful adaption in story-wise and in its visual look too because I think this is a story that really deserves to have that same kind of treatment. It's really, really something that me and I know a lot of fans have been waiting for. Nightfall is actually the one I on the top of my list for adaptions I wanted to see and I'm still waiting. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. After that is definitely the long Halloween. So the fact that we're finally getting that now, I cannot wait. Yeah, I mean, there's what's what's the uh, what's the what am I gonna say here? I, I always forget that you guys that you guys because DC's the other people. I don't ever watch those movies. No, uh, <laughs> I, I keep forgetting that DC has a, is, a, is a different or had the, a continuity in their animated shows. So you're saying it did end finally? Yeah, the last uh, movie was Justice League uh, Dark Side War, which kind of ended that universe and they kind of did a reset. But I don't think they're going to continue with that. It's just kind of that continuity is over now, and these movies are just going to be for right now be their own self-contained stories. They haven't said they're which I think is to start the best. A new continuity. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and and I, I'm with you. If it, if it can follow the source material as far as their art style, like Dark Knight Returns, which I still I have not watched the whole thing of. I need to watch that whole thing eventually. Um, yeah, the part the cut where they combine both movies as one is so good. <laughs> If you have it's the time, so, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's so long too. I need to like, you know, schedule a whole day out. Yeah, you know, basically, <laughs> I got that special edition, which, by the way, that was. I'm so glad I picked that up. That was that is just a great. I love that. I, they have so many great special features on it, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh, such a great disc. I'm so glad I picked that up. Um, yeah, Long Halloween. It's so weird, Tim, because I remember a time when Long Halloween was like held as like one of the greatest Batman stories ever. In the last, like, literally, literally year, I've had so many people be like, it's overrated. I don't really like it. Really? Yeah. I know I've that seen, stuff happens mm-hmm. all the time with classic stories, but I haven't seen that yet for the long Halloween. There's people out there dogging it in the last I couple years, it. for sure. Oh, yeah, right. But, I mean, what's crazy is, like, I am, like, I, I need to reread it. I haven't read it in years. We're Me talking, too. I've been wanting to do the same thing. Yep. Maybe you have to have me on a future episode. We'll have to... Or no, how about this? We'll get you on the binge. I, I will accept that invitation without oh, you know All right, all right. Well, I, I, got like, I got like a laundry list of people coming yeah. on the binge. But, <laughs> but you, you, you know when I say you're coming on the binge, you're coming on the binge. It's, gonna, it's a matter of time, so just know that. 
Um, so we'll, we'll get you on there. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, but that being said, I, I am interested in, in how they're going to do this. And I, I'm with you. I, I, I think they need to keep Tim Sale's art as the, as the main focus. And if they don't, I'll be very disappointed. So yeah, yeah I, this was one of the, I haven't been excited about a lot of animated shows or movies uh, for DC. This is one that definitely is something I'm definitely looking forward to, especially if I know they're going to keep the, um, what do you call it? Uh, keep the uh, aesthetic of the of actual original source material art. Yeah. I mean, when you just look at that comic and you see all the great unique designs for the classic Batman villains that that story has, it's almost like you have to keep, like, keep it faithful to that. It just wouldn't feel right calling it the long Halloween if it looks totally different. So yeah, I'm right there with you. So that was definitely some cool news to get the day after DC mm-hmm. fandom. The fun just continued <laughs> the day after too. So which is weird that why didn't they announce it just the the day of? Which is weird, right? Yeah, well, we didn't mention this at the start, but remember, it was supposed to be a lot more stuff on that day, and then they split it into two events where it's going to happen in the middle of September. Now the second part of DC fandom, which I think is going to deal a lot more with the TV side of things, um, which I think was probably the smart move to do just to kind of have all the stuff we got here let it breathe because we got a bunch of stuff that day and imagine if we just got more with that with a lot of tv news as as well and probably some more comic stuff so it was kind of a good idea for them to do that so and really quickly i know i don't think this is on your docket but i want to touch on the milestone thing yeah Uh, go for it I'm, i'm really excited because uh in what they did they had a panel that was dedicated to the milestone characters and how that they're going to be relaunched in uh, February. And part of that relaunch is going to be um, their reprint, uh, all the old milestone comics, which I would assume means they're coming to DC universe. And I'm hoping yeah. they just, they, I hope it is plop them all on there at once. And being like, here's one issue one week. Here's another issue. Just get just pour them on there, man. Because there's I've been wanting to binge read, uh, I, you know, icon and static, um, for so long and, and not, not the newer comics, but the, but the older ones. So I'm really, really hoping they go on, they get off their butts and, and actually do that and put it all out all at once. But really excited about all these new care, all these new series coming out part of milestone and hope they integrate it part of the DC universe, uh, the comic continuity. I would like that anyway, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the, you know, we need more obviously black superheroes and the fact that these, they've had these characters is kind of hanging out, not doing anything for a long time. Mm. I'm excited. They're actually going to do something with them. And again, I'm, I'm excited to binge read these old issues. I've wanted to read these comics for years. I've always been interested in like hardware and icon and static and everything. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about uh, taking the, the binge eventually on those, uh, those future issues. Yeah, it makes perfect sense for them to do that, to put them on DC Universe, especially if it comes to a point where all the original content is moved to HBO Max and it just becomes that specific place for comics. Why not just put a bunch of them on there, too? It just makes a whole lot of sense. And that definitely was a cool panel to see. And I believe they were teasing, too, where there's hopefully to develop a static movie at some point. If things, I don't think they officially announced it, but it's something that they're trying to work yeah, they're Yeah, they're actively... It's in... It's in it's in like it's during it's in production in a sense where it's like something like pre-production or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it made me go back and check out some static shock episodes because I never watched 
the series, and I've only seen one, which was like the Batman team up. But I, I know they had other cross crossovers where the there's some Justice League episodes, he goes to the future and Batman Beyond. So I checked those ones out, and it was really good stuff too. So I think I might want to maybe before all the comics get on there, just been to the series for a bit too. I know it, everyone said that's really good. It's set in the DC animated universe continuity. So the episodes I did check out were good. So it made me kind of want to watch the whole series for the first time because it seems like. You know, Statics is going to be getting a bigger presence in uh, DC in general with the relaunch of Milestone and maybe a potential uh, movie coming out too. So good stuff coming from that panel as well. So um, I think that was built. Was that? I don't know if that was like on the schedule, but there is a, something called like a DC surprise panel or comic surprise. I forget the schedule if that was it or not. But That was it. That okay. was definitely it. Yeah. Because I remember seeing like, oh, this is, I didn't remember seeing this, but this was cool to see. So yeah, that's the probably the one comic panel we had for the day <laughs> with the small bit of TV stuff we got in video games. So now we can move into the big stuff, which is all the live action panels, trailers, news, and reveals that we got this day. And as I mentioned before, uh, there was some stuff that had panels that aren't even in production yet and probably just barely getting past the script stages. And those are the two movies that are in connection with each other with Shazam 2, now called Shazam, The Fury of the Gods, which was the big reveal I got at that panel. But then also Black Adam. And I was surprised with the Black Adam panel with how cool it was without having anything to show from the movie. Those animated kind of concept arts that we got showcasing what the story is going to be, I thought was really cool, giving us the history of Black Adam and the version of him we're going to see in this movie. And then the big surprise that we got, which I was geeking out over, is how the Justice Society is going to play a big factor in this movie. I mean, Adam Smasher, uh, we knew about his casting a while ago, but it was confirmed. Adam Smasher is going to be in it. Hawkman is going to be in it. And the one I cannot wait to see in live action, Dr. Fate. Seeing that awesome costume in a big budgeted live action Mm -hmm. movie is going to be so cool and have his powers on display. I cannot wait for that. So that was a nice surprise to get about the Black Adam movie that the Justice Society is going to be have a big part in it. And it makes sense because Black Adam has been a lot of Justice Society stories. So I cannot wait for that. I think it's going to sounding and looking really cool. And again, it was one of those short panels that didn't have and couldn't reveal a lot and obviously no footage. But one that had, I felt had a big impact with some of the reveals they had and the concept art and the stuff shown there looked really, really cool. So that was a nice surprise for those kind of two smaller panels to get and not really having much to show, but still got his fans plenty excited. Man, Dr. Fate has got one of the, he has one of the coolest costumes in like superheroes ever, in my opinion. Without question. Yep. He he looks phenomenal. I've been wanting to read more Dr. Fate stuff for so long. And thanks to DC universe. It's given me the opportunity. I'm going to take it the binge at one point. We'll have the binge together at some point about Dr. Fate, because uh, one of my favorite comic writers, James DiMatteis, he actually has a huge run on the character in the 80s and uh, was responsible for having a little bit of a Dr. Fate renaissance because of Justice uh, League International. So I've been wanting to uh, binge read his comics forever, uh, his run anyway. So, um, yeah, I love Dr. Fate. My question for you is, and I'm, I'm, again, my DC comic knowledge is not great. Is the Justice Society, is so is Black Adam basically forming the justice society are they are they like his enemies in this movie i'm confused see i got the impression they were his enemies in the movie 
because got you there was looked like some concept art shown where they're definitely fighting against each other well they're gonna fight that's that's re- that's a no that's a that's yeah but i regardless. i could kind of see though too where it could have been something where they were trying to recruit him or he was part of the justice society and things that <laughs> don't go sure. right and they end up becoming enemies i could totally see that being the case too instead of it being something he's evil the justice society has to team up and stop him because that's another right, thing what right. if this is going to be like the formation of the justice society in this movie as well or if they're already going to be established and i don't know i have a feeling that it's not just going to be those characters that they revealed here i think the rock even kind of said where they're not revealing everything or everyone in this movie so it could be where there's more on the way I, i'd love it if we get you know the main staples of the justice society the jay garrick flash the alan scott green lantern seeing them in a movie would be awesome. So I'm hoping that that's the case where they're just kind of saving those reveals for later. Well, doesn't it take place like back a long time ago? His origins definitely do. That's another interesting thing. And that's something I'm not too sure on as well, where obviously his origins comes from hundreds of years ago, but the Justice Society isn't around back then. (laughs) I mean, they're not the modern superheroes, but they're definitely not that old. So I wonder if it's going to be something where he kind of comes out from his captivity in that era pre like the modern DC, the timeline. And he's, I don't know, he goes off somewhere and then he comes, comes back maybe when the Shazam movie, he realizes there is a new chosen one from the wizard Shazam who has this power and that draws him back to earth or somewhere. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do, but I have a feeling it's definitely going to take place before the current timeline of the DC movies. So my question is this, because I think now Adam Smasher, I have no idea who that character is, but there's, there's multiple Dr. Fates and obviously Hawkman is like a, from a different planet and then of multiple Hawkmen and women. So my question is why, so could it be that these, these characters are from that era of black Adam? In, you know what? It's possible, especially with Hawkman being in it because his origin sales start from like ancient Egypt in that time period. So it's something that could work And Dr. Fate. Yeah, obviously is someone who can too. Adam Smasher. I don't think so though. I mean, they could obviously change and do things, whatever they want and have it, but just looking from the designs of the artwork, it just didn't feel like it'd be something, their costumes, how they look, didn't feel like it'd be from that long ago. If you know what I'm, if I mean by that, <laughs> where that's the, fair, that's fair. That's fair. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously still a lot of questions as far as when this movie's taking place and there's going to be time jumps and all that stuff, flashbacks, I don't know. But it definitely had me a lot more excited than I originally was for a Black Adam movie. So that's going to be something I really can't wait to see more of once cameras start rolling on that film, which hopefully won't be that much longer. And then the eventual, I don't know if he's going to be showing up in a Shazam movie or Shazam's going to show up in his movie or it's going to be a Black Adam versus Shazam movie on its own, but you know they're going to come to blows. I mean, they cannot not face each other at this point when you have these two movies, franchises going on, and they're just so interconnected with each other. So that's going to be later down the line, but I cannot wait to see that as well. Just a lot of stuff to be excited in the kind of the Shazam side of the DC universe. So that was cool to get. And then the other big one that we got where they didn't have any footage because they haven't started filming yet was the Flash panel. And this one had a lot of cool stuff without showing anything from the movie as far as actual footage. But just the fact, because you know how 
Flash has been in production limbo as a movie for so long now. Directors coming and going, thinking this production is going to start, and then they lose the director. They get a new one, then they lose another one. So the fact that we actually saw the director, Andy Machete, if I'm saying his name right, <laughs> which I'm probably butchering, actually talking in front of a camera, talking about what they have planned for this movie was just awesome to finally get that. And the big news that we got, this was before DC Fandom, a few days before, and I haven't had a chance to talk about it on the podcast yet, but the biggest news that we've got is how Ben Affleck is coming back as Batman for this movie. And talk about something that was totally unexpected. I mean, I was, and I'm sure a lot of people were assuming that, I mean, not even assuming, just it was pretty much fact at that point that Ben Affleck was done playing Batman. And the fact they were able to get him for this movie just makes me happy. Just obviously showing he's in a better place now to want to continue, continues playing this role as Batman and to do it in this flash movie that is going to feature another Batman, which we'll get to in a little bit is just has the potential for all sorts of awesome stuff. But I just like how in, cause I believe it was Hollywood or it was vanity fair that broke the story as how Ben Affleck was coming back and they had some quotes from the director as far as how he's going to be used and how he's kind of like the emotional core for Barry Allen in the story that they're trying to tell. And it makes all the sense of the world that it would be Bruce Wayne and in particular Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne, since that is the only Batman as Ezra Miller's flash knows at this point before he goes back in time and to have that common experience of losing their mother and to crime and to murder and knowing that that is the core of what they do as superheroes and they have that uh, connection and it makes for some really great batman and flash stories that we see one of them comes to mind is the more recent one the button and it just makes the team up of a batman and flash has the potential for some really cool emotional stories that we can get and i really think we're going to get that in the flash with ben affleck coming back and just the knowing that he's going to be there to see his Bruce Wayne one more time. Because I really think this is going to be the goodbye movie for Ben Affleck as Batman. And I just if that is the case, I would love to see him continue play Batman in other future films. And especially now, never say never, because I never thought we'd see the Snyder Cut. And I never thought Ben Affleck would be back as Batman. And those are happening now. So never say never. But I think this probably is the opportunity Ben Affleck is looking for as far as... Um, saying goodbye to his role as Batman and doing it the right way. We're just not abruptly ending where there was potential for more. And we just never got to see those stories. So maybe we might even see his Batman die in the story or maybe he gets erased as something that reconnect reconstruction timeline of the DC universe. And he has an emotional goodbye with Barry or to some to that effect where we know this is the last time we're going to see Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne, but regardless of how they do it. And if this, is indeed his last one. It is just awesome that he's going to be coming back for at least one more Batman movie, or not a Batman movie, but a Flash movie, or just a DC movie in general, where we're going to see him one more time, which was unexpected, but definitely some cool news to hear before we actually got to this panel. I'm going to say right now that I don't think it's the last of Batfleck at all. I think, one, as long as there's money to be made, and he's feeling good, and he doesn't have to do it all the time, and maybe he doesn't have to work out and be chiseled as much as he has to be all the time. Yeah. He may, and as long as HBO slash Warner Brothers and ATT want to keep shelling out millions of dollars to him, 
he may keep doing it. And I think with with this movie and with the idea of like multiple bat people running around at the same time, and they're the ones kind of spearheading it. You and again with with not just with again, don't forget Batflex going back into the Snyder Cut. And he's also going or he's returning basically in the Snyder Cut and this Flash movie with Bat, you know, with, with Pattinson. Mm-hmm. So going doing his thing. So you already have multiple Batman running around at the same time. So to me, if there's good stories and there's money to be made, there Batfleck could very well come back. I, I I'm not convinced that, that the Justice League is done with Zack Snyder after after the Snyder cut. I'm not I'm not not convinced that that's not going to happen. So it's I, there. We'll see. I mean, you yeah, know, anything can happen. But you know, money talks, and that ultimately is the deciding factor in a lot of things. And if if you have a lot of people loving the Snyder cut, loving that Flash movie, uh, Batfleck. You know, Ben Affleck will be in a very good position to say what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do. And if he doesn't want to do it, that ends everything. But if he wants to keep making lots of money and want just and still do his things on the side, and then he doesn't have to give up his whole life to to be a physical specimen to do it, then he may do it. So we'll see. And I'll be honest, I think there's ways around him having, you know, having to work out a crap load to be like how he looked like in Batman, you know, or three V Superman. So, and again, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you could be totally right. Like I said, it's just so hard to guess now with all these unexpected things happening that we never thought we'd see. And maybe his intention is for this to be his last one, but hopefully, it's something where it's such a great experience for him that he'd want to do more and show up here and there in these different DC projects and small roles. I mean, I'd be all up for that if that's how we want us to do it. I mean, yeah. I mean, the fact too that as you were talking about having these multiple Batman in these different movies now, it's just I never thought we'd be at this point. If we're thinking back to like the old Smallville days where they absolutely could not use Batman because he's going to be in Batman Begins and there's no way you can have people buy in. There's two live action Batman's running around at the same time. That's going to be too confusing. And I'm just so glad DC has moved on from that mindset. And just how far we've come now with comic book movies and TV shows where we can have multiple versions of these characters and the multiverse be a big factor in what DC is going to do. It's just awesome that we're finally at this point. Stuff we've been hoping for for years as comic book fans. Yeah. that Hopefully we'd see the movies and TV shows do it. It's actually happening, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah, and, and funny enough, DC is the ones are the ones that are spearheading it, and they're the ones that are because again, don't forget about Marvel doing the Spider Verse and the Multiverse of Madness and Doctor Strange mm-hmm. too. I mean, there's so this is something that these movies now are embracing these aspects of the of the, of the comic book continuities of what and what fans love. They love these different iterations. They don't have to be married, you know, to the, this one idea, aesthetic or whatever. Or you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Because now people like now the the mainstream audience is like, oh yeah, we we realize there's different universes and there's different characters. Great, we get it. It's cool. And it's like, and it took a while, but because you know all these different things going on, they're just making it work finally. And it's it. I I think again, once the Snyder Cut comes out, once the the Flash movie comes out, and once the Pattinson movie comes out. That will be the, I think, the the final tipping point of what exactly direction of these these companies will do with multiple multiple versions at one time. Because 
it remains to be seen if it's, if it's successful. They've definitely embraced it and I think are ready for it and understand that fans are going to be confused. The next step is, is it financially stable enough to do? Yeah. Is that's because that's going to happen. You could see two different versions of bat characters going on at once, meaning you could have a justice league Batman and more of a street level Batman. And people understand they're two separate universes. Totally. If they're so, both successful, I mean, the sky is the limit really <laughs> of what yep. they could do, which is yep. exciting. So, and yeah, not even just two Batman, but potentially three uh, Batman. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> yeah, because obviously the other big deal about the Flash movie, and they didn't officially confirm it at the panel, but having Michael Keaton's Batman be a part of this story. And I got to be honest, we got a lot of great trailers and footage shown this day, but still, I think one of the coolest bits of reveals that we've got was that concept art of the Flash's new costume. And they were teasing how Flash is getting a new costume and it's been made by his friend, Bruce Wayne. And after they said that, we get this awesome concept art of Flash and Batman facing off against these two gunmen. But it's not just any Batman. It's Batman in the Michael Keaton costume. It's the the Michael Keaton Batman suit, without question. Like, it stands out to you right away. And seeing that, I just had this big huge smile on my face. <laughs> it's like, oh man, this is actually something that's going to happen. I mean, like I said, they haven't officially announced it yet, but it, pretty much at this point, it's going to, I'm taking it as a done deal. It'll be something really catastrophic to happen for having not be in it now. But obviously this is their intent to have Michael Keaton be a big factor in this flash movie in his Batman. And boy, I just cannot wait to see that. It's just something that's so cool. And just another layer of this movie that just, as a Batman fan, as a DC Comics fan, as, as you said, comic fan who just loves the multiverse and the different things you can do with that. The fact that we're going to have Ben Affleck, his Batman, with Michael Keaton's Batman. I don't know if they're going to share any screen time together. I mean, how cool would that be? But having them both in the same movie with The Flash is kind of mind-blowing at this point. Yeah. I mean, if they're able to get Christian Bale in this thing, I would absolutely lose it. <laughs> it would just be the trifecta. So, oh man. But at this point, it's Michael Keaton's Batman and Ben Affleck's Batman. And if that's all we get, that's more than enough for us to geek out about and just, wow, really cool stuff. That concept art, I mean, I just love looking at it. It's just such this cool pose. It's just so comic booky. But at the same time, we know it's the Batman from a movie that we've known and loved for 30 years. It's just really cool to see. Absolutely. Yeah. So the flash panel was really cool. Uh, to hear the director talk about how they want to approach this movie from Flashpoint and then getting some cool looks at the potential of what this movie is going to look like with the concept art with Flash's costume and seeing him together with Michael Keaton's Batman. So much cool stuff. But with that, now we can get into some of the big panels where we actually saw some footage of the upcoming DC movies. And the first one is going to be Wonder Woman 1984. And this is something where you kind of didn't want to see this panel because we're hoping we would have saw the movie by now, <laughs> but sadly that's not the case. And so they had a panel, which was cool with the whole cast. And then we knew before we we're going to get a trailer. So it was just a matter of time to, or knowing when we're going to see it before the panel at the end of the panel. And it was at the end. And I was actually kind of considering, am I, do I really want to watch the trailer? Because we've had two already. And that's kind of the limit as far as how I'd like to keep seeing footage from a new movie. But I'm thinking, I don't know when I'm actually going to see this movie at this point. I mean, it still right now has an October 2nd release date, but I don't know if it's going to stick with that. And 
And so I figured might as well see some new footage of it <laughs> that they're going to show. But at the same time, I was hoping they wouldn't have too much new footage from it. And I got to say, I was really happy with the trailer because it was pretty much exactly what I wanted it to be. It was something that didn't show a lot of new stuff. There was some a lot of footage that we've seen in previous trailers, but maybe a few new shots here and there of some sequences, some sequences that we've seen in the previous trailers, which was cool. But at the same time, the main thing I wanted to see was Cheetah in her full form. <laughs> and we got that in this trailer and she looked phenomenal <laughs> for exactly what I was hoping to see Cheetah look like in a Wonder Woman movie and having them face off against each other, which was the last bit of the trailer. It was really cool to see. And again, exactly what I was hoping for. So it was great. I thought it was a perfect trailer to have for a movie. Hopefully is not too far down the line that we're going to be seeing by not showing a whole bunch of new stuff, but just enough new stuff to get us excited about some of the stuff we're going to see in this movie. And that obviously was Cheetah. I mean, I think they knew going into it that that's probably the big thing fans wanted to see in this trailer was see Cheetah fully formed to how she looks. And she looked great. So I thought the Wonder Woman was the woman, the new trailer for Wonder Woman 1984 was really great and striking that balance of not showing too much, but showing just enough to get us excited to see this movie, hopefully soon. Yeah. And I didn't watch this trailer just because I want to save for everything for the theater, but I did look at a still for Cheetah because I knew that that was the one thing I wanted to see. I've heard a lot of bad things before the trailer that they shouldn't look good. And I don't know that's, the character super well. That's probably just based off leaked toy images and toy box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, exactly. And again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a, a horse in this race one way or another, but I don't know the character that well, but I will say the one still that I saw wasn't that bad. I was like, okay, that's not bad. So people made it sound like it was going to be complete garbage, but no, I was like, okay, no, this actually looks decent. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it in motion. Yeah, and seeing an emotion is a whole lot better. And they did a good job, too, as far yeah. as not even showing a lot of Cheetah, because obviously that's going to be the big moment of the movie. And they just, she was just in a couple of shots, and it wasn't like this big epic reveal moment in a trailer that sometimes they're edited by to have to show a case of a new character that you've been wanting to see. She kind of just shows up out of the blue. And he's like, oh, there's Cheetah. There she is. <laughs> We're finally seeing her in live action. So I just thought it was really well done. As far as, like I said, striking that perfect balance and not showing too much, but getting us excited for some of the new stuff we're going to see. So, yeah. yeah. DC Fandom got off to a great start with that Wonder Woman 1984 panel and trailer. But then after that, the next big one was going to be um, the Suicide Squad panel with James Gunn and just so many actors <laughs> that are going to be in this movie. The cast is massive. And this was another one where we had a question as far as just what are they going to show? I was assuming we were going to get a trailer, but we actually got um, a behind-the-scenes sizzle reel, kind of where stuff we're used to from seeing for the Star Wars movies, that celebrations or D- D23 that we would get for some of them. So before, But before we got that, we kind of got this cool roll call video that revealed the characters that the cast is going to be playing in the Suicide Squad. And that was kind of the big question, some of the characters information were revealed or leaked, but a lot of the actors we knew were going to be in this movie, but we just didn't know who they were playing. And there were some reveals. And I think I could speak for a lot of DC fans. Some of these characters we were not expecting <laughs> to see in this movie or just in a DC film in general. I mean, there's a lot of D list characters and villains in here, but 
the fact that James Gunn is using them in this movie and they're going to be seeing them in live action, I just love it. I just love kind of the ridiculousness of it for some of these characters that we're going to be seeing. I mean, Polka Dot Man is going to be in this movie in his full costume. <laughs> I mean, it's just such a trip seeing that. Uh, Rat Catcher is another one. He's a kind of Rat Catcher 2, I should say. She's, I'm more familiar with the first one, but that's a character who I like the comic, his design and the costume he has. And in Scott read some early 90s Batman comics with the Rat Catcher in there. So the fact that that character is going to have a presence in this movie with the costume, because uh, they showed uh, actress Daniela Melicor, I think it's playing her. That's if I'm pronouncing her name right. They showed when they had the roll call reveal and they said who the actor is playing. They show them in costume and her costume looked pretty cool from the and familiar as the Rat Catcher costume I remembered from some of those early comics. So that was cool. But then we got some reveals as far as who is Idris Elba's playing. He's playing a character called Bloodsport, who I'm not too familiar with. I know the character pretty much by name and from DC encyclopedias I have, but I haven't really read any stories with the character. But his costume looks really cool and they're looking to be keeping it pretty faithful to how it looked in the comic. And John Cena, he's playing a character called Peacemaker, who I'm not too familiar with, but he compared to kind of like a jerk Captain America in this movie. And then other characters like Sean Gunn playing Weasel, who's going to be a motion cap, kind of, he's pretty much going to be playing like this version of Rocket Raccoon for the DC Universe movie. So that was a surprise. I wasn't expecting that. The Thinker is going to be in this, playing by Peter Capaldi, who was a villain, was in, or the main villain in Flash season four, which. Um, made for a good villain, so I'm curious to see how much of a role he's going to play in the Suicide Squad. And just man, so many different <laughs> characters and some I'm familiar with, some I've never even heard of before. So just a nice mix of, like I said, D-listers, E-listers, F-listers, as far as some coming from the DC villains roster. And you know, pretty much more than half probably aren't going to survive this movie besides the main characters uh-huh. and some of the new ones. But I just love that James Gunn is really pulling from the source material from corners you would not expect. Mm-hmm. But one of the cool so reviews, quite- too, was um, seeing Harley's new outfit for this movie, which yeah. looks fantastic. It's pretty much the design from the Arkham City game, which was really cool. And I know I'm echoing a lot of DC fans here from the reactions that I saw on Twitter on Twitter. But probably her best movie costume that she's had yet. It just looks really, really cool. So, yeah, I thought this was a kind of a cool way to kick off the panel and get us familiar with the actors and the characters they're playing and giving us a little bit of a look to how they're going to be the characters, not only who they're playing, but how they're going to look in this movie, too. And I got to applaud James Gunn for keeping comic accurate on them, because as ridiculous as some of these costumes look, (laughs) they're pretty much keeping faithful to how they were in the comics. And I applaud that. So my question is, really quickly, who are the the D-list characters that like show off your DC cred that you definitely knew, and which ones are the ones you like, you never even heard of? I'm curious. Yeah, so the ones I did knew, Polka Dot Man was one I was familiar with. Ratcatcher was another one. Um, the Thinker, and then uh, Mongal, who's uh, I believe the daughter of Mongol. He's the daughter of sister. That's what I can't remember, but I know she was in a few comic stories that I've read in kind of during the Infinite Crisis era of DC. So she was, I was familiar with, but some of the other ones, like um, the character John Cena's playing Peacemaker, not too familiar with, and um, I'm blanking on his name. 
Uh, he's he's been in the Guardians movie. He's real friends with uh, James Gunn. Like oh, he's a oh, Firefly. Uh, Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion. Yeah, I don't know why I blinked on his name. He's been in a lot of DC animated movies too as Green Lantern. So like his character that he's playing, um, I'm not too familiar with. I believe he's name, but uh, TDK. I think. What, so, what's TDK? What's he a part of? Where does he come from? Yeah, that I'm not sure. I didn't really look him up after I saw the reveal, but he's one I definitely wasn't too familiar with. I knew where I was even from. So maybe he is from an older Suicide Squad story or not even with the Suicide Squad. I'm not even sure. But yeah, so those one and that character I mentioned, Weasel, I didn't really hear about. But so there was quite a few of them where I say it was probably more I didn't know <laughs> that were newly revealed here than the ones I did. So it was just kind of cool to get that as I'm watching the video. Oh, I know who that is, but it's still kind of a deep cut. Mm-hmm. But man, that's a real deep cut because I have no idea who that is. So it's kind of going back and right. forth between those reactions watching the video. Well, it's it's funny because I I, I love that first Suicide Squad movie, and a lot of people, you know, crap on it, even though it did well financially. Yeah, I'm one of the few people legitimately liked it. Now, do I think it's it's a little ridiculous? Yeah, it's not. It's by far. You're not even close to per- like being like great, but I would say I really enjoy it, and I think it's it's worth definitely um, it's definitely worth checking out. And I've I've rewatch it, and every time I rewatch, I'm like, you know, I like that movie, and I, I'm I want to see David Ayer's cut. Uh, that being said, the fact that James Gunn is doing this, is, the way and what how he's doing it, is so I. It's one of the things I'm looking forward to as any comic book film in a long time, because he's embracing the again the source material to like the nth degree and i love that i think it's great that and i think by doing that he really is going to be able to tell a really fun story where he doesn't he can kind of do what he wants i mean let's be real a lot of those characters are probably going to die with the exception of boomerang uh harley quinn probably king shark and i'm assuming you know like some of the other characters, but Idris Elba's character, he's probably not surviving, you know? I mean, let's be real. I mean, like, you can kind of kill off these people and say, you know what, Idris, you don't have to play commit yourself to, like, some huge contract. You can just be his character. I'm going to kill you off. Oh, cool. You know? I mean, it could be very well... Because think about this. Deadshot, uh, Bloodsport, they're both kind of... Merc- I'm assuming Bloodsport's a mercenary character. I'm pretty sure he that is. Way, yeah. yeah, so I mean, like, he maybe once Will's Will couldn't do it. He was like, you know, no sweat. I'm gonna get all this put uh, this all this pretty much so, you know put you in. Maybe it could. I would not be shocked if there was a wink at the camera kind of a thing where it's like Deadshot's busy, so we got blood sport. You know, kind of like uh, sweat, <laughs> like, like you know what I mean? Like yeah, insinuating I, that. Yeah, I will say too. The one thing I feel I'm gonna miss in this next Suicide Squad movie is Will Smith because I love oh, him as sure. Deadshot. He and, was a great Deadshot. Yeah. Yeah, so I I'm really looking forward to the idea of like these characters blowing up and how much fun it's going to be and how ridiculously like everything how ridiculously ridiculous everything looks and I know it's kind of a weird thing to say but whatever <laughs> uh, but but no I'm really excited I, I think this to me is what I, what a true Suicide Squad would be with no holds barred like hey I'm gonna you know if if there was a Basically, if, if Suicide Squad was not real, but like if you really had a Suicide Squad and in, 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 in the Mar- in the DC universe was 
all-encompassing with all these characters together. You would have the polka dot man, these you know peacemaker, these ridiculous characters, and you'd put them in the in your, in your films, and you could get rid of them. You can you kind of do what you want with them, and that's what's great about it is like he's embracing the universe, and they're letting him embrace the universe. And I think that, depending on how successful this is, and I'm gonna tell you, I'm I, I think it's gonna be a fun movie. I, I've I've seen all of James Gunn's movies. Even like the specials, which is another superhero movie, by the way, which is a really fun, low-budget superhero movie. Um, I've seen all his films, Slither, all that stuff, and Super. And you know what? Like, movies he wrote and directed, I should say. I haven't seen all his movies he's written, but movies he's directed and written. Uh, and I liked all of them. And so I have no doubt in my mind, even Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I like to an extent. I don't love it, but I like it. <laughs> um, that that being said, I think I'm gonna like Suicide Squad too, and I'm gonna watch the crap out of it because I want DC to be like, oh look at this, this movie is like total comic book beat, you know, you know, costumes straight out of the comics and D list central, and have and there's a lot of people having fun in it, and people love it, and they're eating it up, so we can be a little ridiculous and not take it all so seriously, and and I think that's really fun. And, and don't get me wrong, I love serious stuff too. But it's it's good to get variety in this stuff too, right? So definitely, yeah. I think that's what I'm really looking forward to James Gunn doing. And let's be real, you know, that whole James Gunn controversy, those old tweets or whatever, and Disney firing him. That I you know, again, I I'm one of those people that says, you know what, I'm glad that he got fired because we're getting suicide the suicide squad because of it. And I I think this is gonna be a smash hit. I, I really do. I think it's gonna be you're going to get the old uh, Suicide Squad crowd. You're going to get the Marvel people who maybe, you know, again, I, I still don't say that. There's a lot of cross-pollination. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. But I think you're going to get a lot of those people who are like, I'm not seeing the DC movies. Ugh. It's like, they're going to be like, oh, Suicide Squad. It looks like, you know, James Gunn, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll see that movie and go, oh, this is great. And the mainstream will be, I think, will be a little, little bit more ready for it at that point. And I think that critics will probably be a little less harsh on it too. I mean, again, assuming he makes a good movie, maybe he makes a crap movie and everyone hates it and whatever. But James Gunn's he tends to make movies that critics don't hate, to be quite honest, for the most part. And they, I, I'm not, I don't know them all by heart and what Slither is, what their senses of Slither, Slither and all that crap. But you know what I'm saying? Like he hasn't made mm. a movie necessarily that critics have been like crapped on. Yeah. So. That being said, this could be a good combination of everything. So, I don't know. I, I tend to think this is going to be a giant success, more than what even more people are giving it credit for. I think I think it'll make more, it'll gross def, it'll definitely gross way more. I think than the first one, which is saying a lot because it, it grows what seven hundred, eight hundred million. Yeah, I would be. I would not be shocked if this if this crossed a billion. Wouldn't be shocked. Because yeah, and- yeah, go ahead. No, like I said, when we're talking about the Suicide Squad game, how it's not my favorite corner of the DC universe, and this isn't my most anticipated movie, but I definitely got a lot more excited about it watching this panel than I was going into it. Just knowing what James Gunn is going to do with it, taking these characters. And once we saw that behind the scenes video reel, some of the obviously not actual footage from the movie, but some of the environments they're going to be in, like. I believe one of them was describing it as a 1970s war movie and you're seeing them in this battlefield in the jungle. And it looks, see, this is to me where it feels like something more in the vein 
that the Suicide Squad would do. Like there are specific type of mission that they would get into more so than the original one when they're dealing more with the supernatural side of things. So this seems more like I mean, we don't know what they're after and what they're doing, but I just get the impression and the feeling just from what I saw here that it is going to be more to a story that fits with the Suicide Squad and the, some of the missions they end up taking and doing. Yeah, And it just has a great look to it. <laughs> I mean, I cannot wait to see actual footage from it because I just love the visual style. And you made a great point, too, as far as having stuff, variety in these DC movies and just how different it feels and looks from everything else we know that we're getting on DC slate in these upcoming years with their movies. It just has its own unique feel to it. And, but yet it feels like the suicide squad. So yeah, it definitely left me a lot more excited about this movie going in than I originally was. And yeah, just another great movie to look forward to in 2021 on DC slate. I mean, it's going to be a great variety of DC films that year. So yeah, that was the suicide squad panel going into that again not knowing if we're going to see actual trailer for it but i think i liked how it was different where not every panel had the same thing to show and the fact that this one kind of had two reveals the roll call video and then the behind the scenes footage was i thought a really cool thing for the suicide squad panel to have so yeah it was really great to get this reveal for the movie and just looking forward to more from it in the coming months yeah i 100 percent agree i like the how the, there's been a lot of variety in how they Demon- or demonstrated how they, how they presented uh, all their stuff, and I loved how they did it. And again, like they, I love the two different videos we get, we got. And then, to be honest, I need to rewatch them. I'll probably rewatch them after we're done with this podcast. To be honest, so, <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right, so that leads us to probably the two biggest ones, and at least for me, and I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of other fans, the two most anticipated panels of the day, and starting off with the Snyder cut of justice league or Zack Snyder's justice league. I'm not sure exactly the official way to say it because in the trailers, I believe it's called Zack Snyder's justice league, but then it has still using the hashtag, the Snyder cut. So it's kind of, they're still using both titles, but so we got that panel. We knew we were going to get a trailers. Zack Snyder has kind of been teasing it. We actually saw little snippets of stuff on Twitter of some of the footage we're going to see. So obviously looking forward to that, but um, we also got the reveal during the panel of, how we're going to see the Snyder cut. And I believe when it was first announced or not too long after it was revealed that they were kind of deciding on what it's going to be. Is it going to be one long movie? It's going to be broken up into several episodes and it is going to be where it's going to be broken up into four hour long episodes. But then that, well, I'll just say before I get into how I feel about it, but Zack Snyder then said that eventually after that, it will be edited together as one big, massive, epic four-hour-long movie. And to me, I'm really happy about that announcement. It's kind of the best of both worlds, honestly. (laughs) I think it's going to be cool and different to see his cut of the Justice League as an an episodic release week, week to week for four weeks. And to see it that way, it's going to be really interesting to see it play out and how it feels and flows. But at the same time, if we're feeling it's not going to work, it doesn't feel quite right, we know we get that big four-hour-long cut coming to see it as one movie. And then conversely, if you feel four hours is too long to spend watching a movie, you do have these – it's broken up professionally to where it's probably going to end at a good spot for you to stop for a little bit, pick up with the next episode if you don't have four hours to spend with this movie. So I'm really happy about that announcement. It's kind of the best of, bo- the best of both worlds here. And I totally uh, could see why HBO Max would want to do that to you know keep subscriptions based up for a little bit, at least for a month where they're breaking up the episodes to 
have it where you just don't sign up for a free trial, watch the movie, and that's it. They'll keep subscribers to see every episode for four weeks and then get that ultimate cut down the line. So it was really cool to get that announcement. And I'm hoping even too, he didn't say that the panel, but get a, a 4K release of that on disc eventually too, just to kind of complete that release for the Snyder Cut, just have it available in all those different ways. So before we get into the actual trailer, what did you think of the news of how they're going to release it? Well, I, I wasn't surprised because we all know that HBO Max is kind of struggling right now as a uh, platform because they don't really have anything that's drawing people in, you know, to their service. And yeah, or that's not even available on some of the more can, or stuff that has a l- large install base like Roku and I believe the Amazon Fire is not on those things. I know. So they're they're kind of struggling. So they need something. <clears throat> they need something bad. That's going to draw people in and keep them engaged. And let's be real. I mean, the Snyder Cut could be with, you know, Birds of Prey not performing as well as what we all thought, which, by the way, was a travesty. I freaking love that movie. I yeah, just rewatched so it recently. <laughs> and it's, it, again, talk about, you know, having a unique, um, you know, a different kind of variety in the DC, you know, universe. That is a great example of what we need in the DC universe. And I just think maybe there's a couple of there's a couple things i would have done differently in that movie but that being said it, it should have but it should have performed better and it's sad that it did but either way um this was um this is something that i think that could be the future of a lot of dc properties with the gotham show coming to, to hbo max that's tied with the pattinson universe and then you also have the center cut and when I look at Birds of Prey, I think of like that movie could have been easily a little miniseries, you know, a Watchmen limited series, if you will, like like how they they're advertising it now. Um, it very well could be the future of how DC does it with, with obviously still putting things out in theaters, but something along those lines where they're going to have it exclusively on their platform, but also kind of maybe available somewhere else. And we and let's be real, I, I think they're going to put this out in theaters eventually. Um, yeah, you know, that's a great point too. Yeah, I could totally see them doing that as well. <laughs> I mean, because here's this is there's a no brainer, right? I mean, yeah. you you have work. I'll go see it in theaters. Oh, same here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's I mean, four hours is a long time. That's but it's it'll it's definitely also, need an intermission break, probably. <laughs> it, it very well, it very well might need one to be honest. And you know what? That's cool. And, I, and honestly, like it's something I would love to go see one time. And I think it it wouldn't it's not gonna break the bank or anything. But you're gonna make some money probably off it, and let's be real, it's gonna they're gonna release it on video too, and I I think this could be how the Snyder Cut performs. It could be how they might do some things in the future because if the Snyder Cut does really well for them, and they put out in the theaters, and it does moderately well in the theaters, meaning like they still are turning a profit, a decent, you know, a little bit of a profit on that. Again, on a movie that's already been released theatrically, mm-hmm. you know, all that. But, but, but bear with me for a moment here. And then you have that and you have the you know, subscription staying up with the, with the Pattinson, Batman, Gotham thing and, and everything, you know, looks well over there. You could, in my opinion, see something where, where people may not want to go to a theater all the time, but theater is still kind of specialized, you know, whatever. You could see a thing where these streaming services like an HBO Max could say, yeah, you know what? We're going to put this out in the theater, but you can also set up for a subscri- subscription service and get all this for, you know, the same price. But if you don't want to do that, you just want to, or you want to see it in a the theater, here you go. And you could, you know, have your cake and eat it too, and, or have something along those lines where 
We're going to put it out in theaters first. It's going to be, and then it's going to be exclusively on our platform, not on video, not on this, but on our platform for an X amount of time. And then we'll release a mass audience wise to video or whatever. You see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so I think that Snyder cut could be a little, I mean, it's obviously not going to be that clear cut because it's going to be a lot different, but it's something like that. Cause if they see that there's, there are people will double dip like us and it's, they could still make a decent profit, a profit off that. Cause here's the thing. If people don't want to go sign up for all these subscription services, that that might make that might make the theater experience still, uh, you know, a desirable thing because you may not want to spend, you know, have like eight different, you know, twenty different subscription services, all these different p- movie platforms. But maybe you're one type of person to another one, and that's what you want to, you know, you get what I'm saying. This could be where where theaters kind of find their their niche, where they, you know, these people are pumping these films out to theaters. To basically advertise for their main, you know, main streaming service, and then that maybe it, like how you know they're doing with COVID now, like with the Universal, they're gonna, you know, after a certain amount of weeks, if it doesn't, you know, perform well, it'll go straight to their streaming service, something like that. So I think that there's there's the HBO Max with 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 the DC Universe characters has a lot of potential of doing something like that, and I think the Snyder Cut's gonna be a great kind of like test audience if you will how that does and i think that's why i think it's for sure getting ahead to theaters unless the center cut and i don't think it's going to happen just falls on its face and it's a very it's so niche that like they're like why do we do this in the first place which i don't think so i think it's 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 a big deal yeah um i agree <laughs> and, and i think it's a big movement i'm not, I'm not trying to, i'm not, not trying to be offensive to anybody but what i'm saying is if it does well enough that they go man this is there's something to this and they go put it in the theaters and they and then it does decently well there too and, and, and again for considering for what it is you could see them kind of alter how they do things and releasing these and these films so i think it's a big deal so if you want you know if you want to we'll see center cut is going to be and again if it's successful it could be also see these people return with Zack snyder himself so anyway but yeah Really exciting stuff, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Everything about the Snyder Cut is so unprecedented. It's going to be so interesting to see how it all plays out like afterwards. And like I said, if it is successful and what that can mean going forward. So, yeah, you're totally dead on. But then we got our first look, or I should say first look, but our first official trailer release for the Snyder Cut. And I don't know what to, as far as what to expect going into it, it is fine seen some new footage we haven't seen before but i felt it really delivered on showing us how different the Zack snyder cut is going to be but yet i was funny because on twitter i saw quite a few reactions from people saying what's the point of the snyder cut like it looks exactly the same as (laughs) the theatrical cut and to me going into it i wasn't expecting like tonally to look a whole lot different from the movie because obviously some of the stuff he shot was still using in the theatrical cut but i wasn't expecting like this whole totally different feel from it at all i was just expecting to see tons of new footage that we didn't see before in any of the previous trailers or in the theatrical cut and that's what we got a lot of new footage that i didn't even think was filmed is going oh that's cool that looks cool and i mean the trailer kicks off with the bang as far as seeing our first look at live action dark side <laughs> and he looked awesome and i don't think that's not even totally finished polished effects just yet and it's probably gonna look even better in the final film and that was just cool to see because we know dark side 
kind of the big tease leading up in this story thread. It's really cool to see him, but that's the one big concern I have about the Snyder Cut when it was first announced because the teasing of Darkseid and the build-up to him being the main villain, are we actually going to see that tease pay off because of things t- changing where they weren't going to be able to do Justice League Part 2? So are we only going to see Darkseid in this flashback? It's going to be awesome. And the movie ends with kind of still that tease knowing he's still the big threat out there, but yet we don't know if we're going to see that. But like you said, too, who knows at this point, if it's massively successful, we could still see that face off with Darkseid down the line. We just never know at this point, like we said earlier. But I really dug the trailer. I wasn't too keen on the Hallelujah (laughs) song being used by Leonard Cohen on there. Uh, I get why they use it, at least for me, as I took it, was that it's kind of like Hallelujah, this the Snyder Cut is being released. <laughs> like, thank goodness. Or so it's just, I don't know, to me, just didn't fit with the footage we were seeing, but that's just me. Maybe it worked for other people. But again, the footage shown, a lot of new stuff in there. It looked really cool. There's that shot of Batman. I mean, who knows how much stuff was cut and re-edited in that um underground sewer fight with the parademons in the movie because we got that shot of Batman deflecting the blast of a parademon that looked really cool. A lot of new stuff with Flash. That looked awesome. Him saving Iris as he goes out of that restaurant and saves her from that car. That looked really cool. I remember the weekend Justice League came out, all these deleted scene footage got were being leaked. And that was one of them. Just to see it back in uh, the trailer there was cool. And then just a lot of unique visuals with Flash, which looks like of him in the Speed Force that visually just looked really cool. And then there's a lot of stuff with Cyborg, Victor Stone that we never saw before that looked cool. I mean, uh, I guess this wasn't a huge spoiler. Maybe a lot of people who were familiar with what happens in the Snyder Cut and they show that Silas Stone gets killed <laughs> in the movie, which was obviously a big change from the theatrical cut. So I was kind of surprised they showed that in the trailer. But again, maybe it's something those following the Snyder Cut really closely already knew was going to happen. It wasn't too much of a surprise. But yeah, a lot of stuff. Again, new stuff with Superman. Him in his black suit looks really cool. There's that awesome quick shot of him about to face off flying towards Steppenwolf. Looks like he's going to send him into orbit with a punch he was going to land. So more cool stuff with Wonder Woman. There was that great shot of her um, saying like saying hi to that little girl there, both of them smiling. So just a lot of great new stuff with the Justice League characters that obviously we knew there's four going to be four hours of footage that Zack Snyder shot. A lot of it was going to be new. So I was just glad that a lot of that was showed off in this trailer, mixed in with some shots that we previously saw in some older trailers, but didn't end up making the final cut in the movie, knowing that those are going to be restored in the Snyder Cut as well. So overall, I thought it was a really cool trailer to get you excited about what the Snyder Cut is going to be. So I really enjoyed it. Well, talk about the elephant in the room, which is that Hallelujah song. Mm. Um, There's a couple different things, I think, from what you could take from that. I think the obvious one is what you're saying, Tim. But I think there's a a little bit of uh, context or subcontext, whatever you want to say, to to it. Because, one, I think it's kind of like he took it from the most uncomfortable moment in Watchmen, Mm -hmm. which was, like, (laughs) so weird. And everyone, like, probably complains about that. I think that's kind of like a, hey, guess what, like, I'm taking the most uncomfortable thing and everyone, everyone associates him from my movies. One of the things that everyone hates, I'm going to put it as like the thing that everyone's looking forward to kind of a thing, like kind of like an, 
I hate to say it, kind of an F you to a lot of people, to be honest. Like, I, I honestly took it like that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to take, like, I'm such a baller right now. I'm going to take the most, like, thing that makes everyone uncomfortable for my films to, like, in this trailer to, like, that everyone's anticipating. Like, not to the people who are want it, but the people who don't want sure, it. Sure, yeah, whatever. I can totally get that. Huh. That kind of idea. Because, but it's also serving the purpose of, like, what the song is. The other thing you got to remember is that um, everybody knows the song from the original Justice League movie is a Leonard Cohen song, not sung by Leonard Cohen. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting about that also, in my opinion, is him saying, I'm using authentic, the authentic, I'm the authentic thing. I'm not the fake thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't think about that. That's a great point though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and, and let's be real. I can see Zach doing that in a mm. very, it, it's a very, in my opinion. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's awesome because that's honestly something that I would do. So if I were him, so I think, which it sucks because I think the reason he used Hallelujah probably mainly was because everybody knows doesn't really fit that, like, I think that aesthetic where, where he wanted to do in that trailer, maybe. And, and Hallelujah did. But, and, and for those who don't know, I'm actually, I love Leonard Cohen. Like, I don't really love that era of Leonard Cohen, to be honest. That's a little, it gets, a, he gets a little too weird and his voice gets too low for me. But early, early Leonard Cohen, fantastic. Uh, uh, so Long Marianne is one of my favorite songs of all time. No lie. What a phenomenal song. And also Famous Blue Raincoat, another phenomenal song. Famous Blue Raincoat. Listen to it. It's dark, it's heavy, and it's great. Um, anyway, so I think that's where I think the song comes from. I think he's trying to tell people, I'm the authentic. This is authentic. Also, I'm going to make you all uncomfortable. All the people, all the people who hate me more uncomfortable and, and be like, what the hell? What is this? I don't get it. And just to be like a baller. So I actually respect him for doing it, which again, not he's doing anything that no one expects him to. And he can do whatever he wants because they wanted it to be completed. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was, to be, you know, I don't have much to say about it other than, than I'm shocked at how much, how different it looks and how it's no, I mean, I, I and again, I was someone who actually liked Justice League. Same here, you know? yeah. I and still I, go on record saying I still, even when this movie comes out or the Snyder Cut comes out and it's ten times better, I'll still always enjoy that theatrical. Cut. Yeah, but I, I gotta say, it already feels tonally a lot better, in, in my opinion. No, I know what you and mean. Yeah, it, it feels it. It actually feels like a genuine thing, whereas it definitely felt a little. When I rewatch it now, it definitely feels and looks Frankenstein. And, and that's what's sad. Like, when I first yeah. saw it, I didn't really notice it. But after I kept watching it, I've watched it a number of times. I kept watching it, I've been like, uh, like, uh, yeah. Like, I still enjoy it, but I know what's going on here. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I obviously, this is obviously not Ezra Miller's reshoots. Or mm. this Martha and uh, Lois scene is obviously a, a terrible reshoot. And, you know, there's obvious reshoots that are just so obvious they're, they're painful. But, the, but honestly, the main crux of the story I enjoyed. And to be honest, I, I didn't really mind Steppenwolf's look necessarily in the movie, but I love his look, and I love his look way more. In, yeah, he looks in, a lot cooler. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be honest, again, I think it's an, I think, I, I definitely think the center cut's going to be a lot, it's going to be considered to be a, a much better film. And I think, and I like BVS. 
And I think the Ultimate Edition is a much better film than the uh, the regular um, theatrical version. And I think the same thing's going to be said for the Justice League Slander Cut. I think the director's cut is going to be, people are going to look back on that and say, that's actually a pretty decent, like, comic book movie. And it's going to, you know, and, and when after all the dust settles and it's not such a big deal anymore. So, but yeah, I think this is this looks phenomenal. And I, I think the thing I take away from it is that it's shocking how different it does look to me. And, you know, really, it, even though I know it's going to happen, it's crazy how different it already feels and looks. And I think that should go, that really shows you how much an artist's vision and how much Joss really did change of, the, of that movie. Then we, and, and it's going to be fascinating to compare the two when they're all out. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I look forward to the future documentaries made about it. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a movie in itself. <laughs> no, no I, it will. And it's going to yeah. be amazing. I can't wait. I, I will be the first in line to see that documentary when it comes out. Or I'll be the first one to download it when that comes out. Because I love documentaries on stuff like this. That's all I do now is watch stuff on YouTube. I find documentaries on, you know, I watched the one on, uh, there's a documentary about Death of Superman and, and the how they made it in the comics. And I watched, the, yeah, it was 45 minutes and that was fantastic. Was it, you know, was it super great? No, but it, I loved it because it was about, there's a documentary on Death of Superman. So, yeah, I, I can't wait for that. A future the future Justice League Snyder Cut controversy documentary. Cannot wait for that eventual movie to come out. Another HBO Max exclusive right there. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, honestly, they, they really they should embrace it, not be scared to admit their mistakes. And AT&T seems like they're not, they're not, they obviously aren't afraid to do that. So we'll see. Oh, yeah, totally. So yeah, can't wait for the Snyder Cut in 2021. I imagine it's probably going to be, I don't think they'd want it to come out around the same time as the Batman, which is October 2021. So hopefully it's like during the summer, like late spring, kind of that May, June period, which would be great to kind of have that during the summer. And then we got the Batman in the fall, which so hopefully it's spread out like that. And we get to see the Snyder Cut sooner rather than later in 2021. But speaking of the Batman, now we get to the big event, the last panel that closed out DC fandom and probably the most anticipated for everyone because this is going to be our first our first look at Matt Reeves is Batman movie and he there was like the trailer for DC fandom I think they even teased a little brief clips of him saying like I couldn't come to this and not bring anything so we were kind of expecting a trailer at this too so it wasn't a huge surprise that we were that we got it but just kind of how much and how was it going to look type of anticipation for this one but before even going to the trailer just in general this panel they definitely saved the best for last i just absolutely loved hearing matt reeve talk about batman and the movie that he's planning it was just one of those things where as you're hearing him talk it's like yeah he gets it i'm so glad he's the one who's making this movie it's just he just got has a grasp on it that just feels so right and it's not something where he obviously he's putting his own take on Batman. He's doing his own story, but yet at the same time, not necessarily trying to reinvent the wheel as well. Kind of taking the stuff that we know and love about Batman, just telling his version of it. And I just loved hearing him talk about how it's a really focusing on the detective aspect and what the story is going to involve about around Batman and these murders that happened in Gotham and how that ties into his past and his family. So all this little teases he's given at this panel was just great. But the biggest one for me where I just kind of did a fist pump and went, yeah, (laughs) where 
they kind of asked him about comic storylines and inspiration he was taken from. And I was almost ex- like just expecting, okay, time for him to say Dark Knight Returns, Year One, Long Halloween, the ones we've always hear. But when he said Batman Ego, I just went, oh, I guess I did a fistful, like, yes, because <laughs> I love that story. You guys heard me talk about it on several podcasts ago <laughs> throughout the history of this show, of how much I love it and just what a great Batman story it is that just really dives into the psyche of Batman and why he does what he does. And is it something that he should be doing? It's just great. And the fact I don't expect a adapt, like a, an exact translation and adaption of that story, but just the themes that he's going to tackle that in this movie, it just got me more excited to see it. And I loved it. And Paul, just yesterday, I know you sent out a tweet that you just began reading that story. Um, did you finish it yet? Or are you still in the midst of reading it? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up, Tim, because I was under the impression when I read it last, when I started reading it last night, that this was a legit, like, five, six-issue miniseries. And as I read it and, was, and I kept reading about it, I was like, wait a minute, this is like a one-shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's only like 60 pages. So yeah, I, I didn't read the whole trade that I, I had purchased, because the whole trade was like has a bunch of different Darwin Cook stuff. Which, yeah, There's like know, a Catwoman story in there. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've got and I read the black and white comic, and that was that was beautiful art. Oh my gosh, that was beautiful. Um, but uh, I have I stopped at the Catwoman part because I was really tired. I get up early, people. I have a kid now, and like I and I get up early. It's nuts. My, my life's insane. Um, anyway, I but I did read the whole ego part, and that was phenomenal. That was a phenomenal Batman Wasn't story. It? Yes. Oh, so my glad gosh. You say that. No, no. It was um I was not really prepared for a lot of the things they talked about it. And I man, you could do like a whole series of episodes of your show just based on Matt Reeves saying he used ego as inspiration and what the hell that actually means. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of subtext to what he just said with that and with that comic book and what he's dealing with. Because there's so many different aspects you could draw from because he did not, he's not obviously being specific. So we don't know what he's talking about. Um, that being said, I don't know exactly what um, I don't, I, I, I love the story. I think it's great. I, I thought ego was sorry. My mind's kind of flowing all over at once because I, I, I have no know what to say about ego. It's so good. I, I will say this about ego. Ego is great. And if you haven't read it, I recommend just try to, if you don't want to buy the whole trade, just find, I'm, I'm sure they're selling the comic by itself. They have to be, I don't know, but either way, it's only 60 pages and it's, it's a phenomenal story. And I was blown away of how good it was and how much it dives deep into the, the ideas of Batman, what makes Batman tick and kind of putting up him, uh, you know, kind of, I think the one thing I will get from the story, Tim, without spoiling it is the ramifications of Batman of, of, of being Batman and what that does to the psyche of Bruce Wayne and Batman. Mm. And I think that and how it feeds into everything. And I think that to me is what I think Matt Reeves is going with all this is that the actions of, because he very distinctly said that this is Batman for year, for, you know, year two Batman. So Batman has been established. He's, he's not an unknown uh, quantity. And with that, 
there's probably, you know, we, and we've already gotten a little bit of that in the dark night, obviously with, you know, there's escalation, what happens when we, you know, all this stuff. But I think what we didn't necessarily see was the ramifications. I think of not just of what his people respond to him from, from a villain standpoint, but more of like, what is, where is he going to stand morally, not morally, but, um, you know, uh, psychologically, where's Batman going to stand himself? Like, is he, is he getting to the core of what makes him tick? That to me is what, where this, where all this kind of thing, where ego is inspiring the, the Batman movie specifically. And I, I'm pretty sure you probably agree with me on that one, especially the tone yeah. of, what, of what we're getting here. And so I think we're getting a Batman that is obviously so we're going to be getting a Batman. That's so kind of all over the place. I think emotionally he's not emotionally stable yet. And I think that's where the ego comic comes into play. So if you haven't read ego and you're wondering what the heck I'm talking about, go on there, read ego. And I think you'll know exactly what we're talking about. So am I, are we on the same page on this one? No. Yeah, totally. I could totally see that being the inspiration that he's taking. And another thing I think that could play a part of it too, is just, the consequences of his actions yes, as yes, Batman, yeah, because that's course. what kicks off the whole ego storyline. Yeah, it's so tragic yeah. as far as what transpires of that. And some to that effect can happen in the movie, which makes them question that and everything. So like you said, there's quite a few different ways you can take inspirations from that story, but that entire story is so good that no matter what he takes, I'm just excited that, that that's what he's using as one of the inspirations for this movie. Yeah. So I loved hearing him say that. And, Again, just hearing him talk about the movie and his how he views Batman, you can just tell he just is a fan and just loves this character. And it just made the anticipation to see that trailer all the more exciting. And that was the other big thing throughout DC fandom for the day, the leaks that were happening. I mean, we got, I believe, the Batman trailers. First, some images came out of Justice League, of that trailer. Then we started seeing images trickle out for the Batman, and I was trying to avoid them like crazy. And thankfully, I was successful. I didn't get to see it before the actual panels. I was glad I was able to because it just made the panel so much more fun to watch. And in particular for the Batman, because if I were to see some of the images or footage as Matt Reeves was talking about, it would have lessened that excitement to get that trailer premiere when it was meant to. So I just loved that the panel got me this is just so excited to see that trailer and my goodness that that trailer did not disappoint i was excited for it but to be honest i don't know if i was expected to be absolutely blown away by it because let's be honest this isn't the first batman trailer we've seen we've seen a lot of batman trailers now beginning back with 89 the three nolan movies bvs justice league so we've seen a lot of batman trailers now and for the most part all are good that get you excited and i was expected this one to get me excited for the movie and to get hyped about it but it knocked me off my feet it was Mm -hmm. incredible and i was curious because uh you sent me a text saying there's something about the trailer yeah, That's not Batman related, but you're curious to hear my reaction about it. <laughs> I, yeah, well, because in, for for some context, I I watched the leak trailer last Saturday. I was celebrating my wife's birthday, and I just wasn't going to be around for when the trailer happened. And I said, you know what, I want to see it now. I'm just curious. I you know I'll watch it obviously when I get home, but I want to watch it now. 
And I, which is usually not, and Tim, you'll, you'll, you'll agree to this. That's usually not my style. Oh no. Yeah. Right. Not right now. It's my, my stance on things that are leaked or whatever are pretty, I like to save things as much as possible, yeah, but I did. You don't even watch the officially released ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm good. You know, but, um, that being said, I watched it and I was shocked to hear Nirvana playing. And I yeah. first thing I said to myself is, man, Tim's going to be so stoked. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, when I first heard the opening chorus for something in the way, I was like, oh, this is what Paul's talking about. Yeah. You know, I knew you know exactly. <laughs> I was like, Tim's going to be like, oh, this is what he was talking about. I knew immediately you'd get it. And I thought, oh, man, this is awesome. It's going good to what. <laughs> they're showing to the dialogue uh, i just loved it and how something in the way was used about the course of the trailer but in particular how it started just setting the yeah. tone and the mood for what this trailer and in general what the movie is going to be and i started thinking in my head oh man for future trailers what other nirvana songs could they oh, use because this should be the thing <laughs> well 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 think about this too you know going back to ego and some in something the song called something in the way it kind of lines up with the themes right because yeah. what is in the way of batman how is he how what is in the way of him becoming the great hero that he needs to be because i think we see i don't want to get ahead of myself but we see at the very end of this trailer just how just vicious he is what's going on because that's not really batman right like that's that is a okay it's batman don't get me wrong it's batman but that is a heated un uncontrolled batman. yeah an unseasoned I, batman like yeah 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 and I, I, again if Batman lost his mind, or not lost his mind, but if he lost his temper and he was, you know, fighting for his life, obviously he'd do something like that. But that, he obviously wasn't fighting for his life there. He was making a, a point. And again, I'm not trying to jump ahead too much, but, but you get what I'm saying. What I'm, mm. So the song, Something in the Way, and the comic book Ego being an inspiration, it definitely lines up with him and dealing with certain aspects of his life. And what exactly is, is what's keeping him being the great Batman? You know, it's because maturity, you know, we all know with maturity, a lot of it is being learned learning things and, uh, and learning things obviously means letting go of things sometimes of like, oh, I've got to let go of being like this. I got to grow up or, I, you know, whatever. Right. So what exactly is in the way of Batman becoming the Batman, like the great Batman, the hero that he needs to be in? And because and, obviously, again, the idea of starting at year two, that's that's so intentional and so cool. And so again, I love how everything is feeding the art. It's, you know, it's, it's obviously commercial art, but they're using different things to set up and tell a story. And that's exciting because I mean, it, again, I love how intentional everything is. They're using all of it together. So that's really exciting. Oh yeah, totally. It just, everything about it fit and felt perfect for what the tone and like vibe you wanted to have with this trailer is just amazing. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah. the way it kicks off with, you just hear like duct, duct tape being pulled and rolled off. <sighs> and then, cause at first like, man, what's going on here? And then you see this mass criminal duct taping this person, this murdered victim's face. And you knew right away that what, especially with the writing on there, that this is the Riddler that we're seeing here. Mm -hmm. And it's a Riddler like we've never seen before in live action. Yeah, yeah. It's a Riddler that looks to be frightening and just someone who's going to be more than a challenge for Batman as far as trying to solve the case of these murders. And again, going back to that whole theme of this being a true Batman detective story, Riddler is the perfect villain for that. And just the vibe he gave off 
in this trailer without necessarily seeing his face, but hearing a lot of the dialogue and the riddles that he's going to be using here. Just his method is just going to be, it just seems so fascinating. It's something that, like I said, we've never seen before in a live action Batman movie with the Riddler, and it just feels perfect. But mm-hmm. we get that moment of the police investigating that crime scene. And we get our first look at Jeffrey Wright as Gordon, who looks awesome <laughs> as Gordon. Just feel like it's going to be a great Gordon. And there's just something about the lead up we get to this, where we see Gordon reading the note that Riddler left for Batman. The police are investigating the crime scene, and we see these footsteps walk in. We know who it is, but we haven't gotten the reveal yet, and we know it's coming. And when we got that reveal of our first great look of Pattinson in the Batman suit and just the Batman suit in general. Now you probably heard me on Twitter and also on past episodes of the podcast where we're talking about the first reveals we've got of the new bat suit. Um, that first one with the tease we got in the red coloring and the first bit of music from Michael Giacchino. I saw that one, I was like, it looks okay. I don't love it. I don't hate it, but just got to see more of it. But then when we got the first look at the Batmobile images and better looks at the Batsuit there, I started feeling better about it. I go, okay, this is looking better. I'm kind of digging it. But once we got that full-blown reveal of the coloring of the suit, Pattinson in the suit, I loved it. Like, I now love that suit. I think it looks fantastic. And it was just such a great reveal of Robert Pattinson as Batman. And I think there's just something cool about having Batman mixing in with the police officers and Gordon at at the crime scene. We don't see that too often in Batman movies. There was a scene like that in the dark Knight where he was getting the fingerprints from the bullet, but the cops were kind of mad at him. Gordon had to tell him to leave the room. So, and there have been Batman stories where obviously Batman's investigating a crime scene. The police are there. He's talking with Gordon. So to see that in a Batman movie, I think it's just a small thing, but I did enjoy seeing that. But the way they revealed Pattinson in that awesome batman suit now i just thought was great it looks fantastic and it goes back to the thing you've always said paul can't judge these first looks and reveals until you see it in motion because that suit looks fantastic as we're seeing it in live action and in motion in this trailer i loved it yeah there i'm not one of the people who is in love with it i'm not one of the people that hates it i'm not even someone that's like it's okay i like it I don't love it, though. I'm like, oh, it's the best Batman costume ever. I think the best Batman costume ever is still Ben Affleck. Yeah, I still agree with that. Yeah. And I think people, I think part of the problem with the superhero costumes, and I, and I, trust me, I think I've, I consider myself an expert of, of some sorts of of superhero costumes because I love costumes. I love them to death. (laughs) And, and they're, they're the reasons why I watch these movies. I mean, and they're just normal people like, like, Jack Reacher and Tom Cruise or something, which I heard is a great movie, but I'm not saying it's bad or good, but it's like a, some guy who's like, you'll kick him butt or whatever. It's the costumes that make it like, right. I if I don't watch a, a regular person kick butt, I'd watch a, you know, Jack Reacher movie or something, you know, the, the superhero costumes are what make the super let's be real. I mean, like, yes, we, we know they do good things, but they're superheroes. They wear costumes, you know, so they need to be cool looking and need to be accurate and, and look good in, in motion. And so, I just consider myself someone that like I am a big costume person and I, and it's a big deal for me. I think this costume is a great, uh, it's obviously a playoff of what Nolan kind of was working with in the previous films. And again, I'm not necessarily against that. I, I understand where they're going. 
But like he was saying, this is only a year to Batman. He's still figuring everything out. It looks very kind of janky on purpose. And I think that, it, that to me is what this trailer is the theme. Everything is purposeful. Uh, just like the Riddler is, right? So mm-hmm. it's very methodical how they're doing it. And I think it's very obvious where he's going with this Batman. And I think it's very interesting that, and I think it's going to be telling we're almost going to, I think, I think in my opinion, we're going to see a transition, a transition from, so sorry, excuse me. We're going to see a transition from a Nolan looking Batman to a more comic book looking Batman, in my opinion. I think the costume, go ahead. No, I'll let you finish. I was going to jump off that point though. I'll let you finish. No, no, no. I'm pretty much done. Go ahead, man. Okay. I was going to say not only for Batman, I think that's going to be the case for a lot of the characters we're going to see in here. Well, mm-hmm. The yep. Riddler, and I think, too, as we move on from this opening thing of the trailer, we get these different shots of the other characters we're going to see, and one of them being Selena Kyle. And she's, Matt Reeves even said in the panel, this is before she's actually Catwoman, but her costume there, her burglar outfit, especially kind of her mask that she's wearing, the top of it does look in the shape of cat ears for a little bit. And you could definitely, it has that Catwoman vibe, but yet it's not quite the Catwoman costume yet either and you could probably see her evolve into that later on and that was just a quick little we didn't get too much of selena kyle here but it was just a great look at some of the stuff we could see between batman and catwoman just that brief little scuffle they have with some cool choreography in that short little sequence that i can't wait to see more of them and then even too with the riddler obviously there was that opening shot of him with his mask covered it looked like he had a green coat (laughs) in <laughs> that uh he does if it's so mm-hmm. it definitely has that going but maybe we'll see more traditional riddler costume too not necessarily littered with question marks on there but one that maybe just one showing up later on so right. i definitely think that that's probably might be a theme with this um series of movies that hopefully they have planned that gets to we see the completion mm-hmm. of where we just see the evolution of these characters well, become more in the comics like visual yeah, I, styles and probably right. just in their personalities and the way they operate too. In everything, right? The more mm-hmm. they become their personalities, the more they're they're they come more like comic booky and a little more like I, I say comic booky, but more like their comic book counterparts or, or and looks department. I think again, you're right. That this is a theme throughout the whole like not just with Batman, but with everybody. Look at the penguin. Like yeah. we know that he's the penguin because we can put two and two together, but he doesn't look like the penguin, really. And it doesn't look like I Colin think, Farrell. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true too. We'll get to that in a second. But I think, to me, I think this is where I think where where it, how different is this Matt Reeves interpretation going to be? I think if we if we're le- reading the tea leaves right, and we know Matt Reeves doesn't want to just do a carbon copy of what Nolan did, right? Of course. Yeah. I, I, I mean, let's assume that. I think we're really are going to see the transition from a more realistic thing to a more comic book looking thing. And think about that. That could be what he's doing on purpose because that's the natural evolution of this. And if we see that kind of naturally organically happen, that would give this series of films a much different feel and its own authenticity. If I said that word, right. Uh, You know, kind of a thing going on. And I think that to me, is what I, I kind of get from Matt Reeves. Cause I don't think Matt Reeves does this to say, I'm going to go back to Nolan. It's like, uh, no one's going to want to repeat themselves one way or another. Excuse me. And I think that this is where 
uh, Reeves is going to go, especially the fact he's got all these different characters looking so realistic. And and maybe they and they do stick with the Nolan aesthetic, you know. But already, I would argue that his their world seems more comic booky than than even Nolan's at this point. To be quite honest, I mean the fact that Batman can make all that stuff himself that's a you know that's a a really like comic book thing. Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne's a mad genius and a freaking crime fighter like genius. That's a little too you know. Uh, you know what's the word uh convenient if you ask me so i guess all whereas it made a lot i thought that the nolan stuff made a lot more sense in a realistic world that he was smart he he, he could get things but he also had people making stuff for him and it made a lot of more sense right so mm-hmm. whatever that maybe that's just my opinion but it already feels way more comic booky that to me than the nolan's ever did um besides i think batman begins Batman begins probably is the most comic booky of them all um so, uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, I think there's, that's definitely a theme. Kind uh, of going to Riddler, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm very curious what you think of this. I got extreme hush vibes from from Riddler immediately. In fact, I thought it might have been hush immediate initially. Mm-hmm. So you know, and to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked if they keep this, if they keep the duct tape mask thing going on the whole time. Because the whole trailer, especially that opening scene, Tim, I got a true detective vibe from it. And, yeah, I could totally see that. Yep. <laughs> and I I think this is definitely even a darker version than, than what we got from, you know, The Dark Knight. And this could be what they're going for completely. And I don't know. We'll see. But I got this true detective vibe, at least season one vibe from that this whole trailer altogether. And I think that's really cool. And I'm very curious how that all ties together, but I definitely got hush vibes from that Riddler. Am I the only one? I'll be honest. I didn't necessarily feel that way when I was watching it for the first time. The hush character himself, like just the look and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really necessarily think that because, you know, first we kind of didn't hear that he's in the movie. So I kind of knew right away what the vibe they were Showing in that in the dialogue, I kind of knew right away that was the Riddler. But at the same time, when you mention it, I can totally see how you could think that because it does have that vibe, like you're mentioning. So I necessarily didn't think of it right away, but I could totally understand how you or anyone else could have thought that would. Because it does, like I said, does have that same vibe. And again, going back to your comparison to True Detective, like, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world that it would have that feel to it. And again, just makes me excited that, you know, this is going to be a detective story, some, a full batman movie that where that's the main theme of it and the stuff they're going to focus on as far as the different aspects of batman just gets me more excited (laughs) when i think about that it just so good and yeah so we get these different shots and reveals of other characters you mentioned briefly penguin colin farrell i mean disappearing (laughs) into that role because i was actually surprised because originally i think i remember seeing some set photos where it was just Colin Farrell as you know as he normally looks kind of in a trench coat and a suit and I thought okay they're going with a different version of the penguin that we've kind of seen before in the Telltale Batman games um they'd use that different type of version of penguin and even going back to Gotham that look so I was kind of surprised that they are making him you know the more hefty penguin <laughs> with prosthetics that have look looking more like the penguin we were used to seeing but then again still different in itself or in this movie because i think matt reeves is saying he doesn't even like to be called penguin in here so just referring to him as oswald at this point but still a 
great look to get, great reveal to get as far as these characters we know are going to be in the movie and we're going to see how they're going to look and operate in the film. And then we get to that moment that you alluded to earlier, which was probably the moment where that just everyone's mouth hit the floor, just <laughs> their eyes were wide open, where we get those group of these gang members who are wearing white makeup with like black eyeliner on their eyes and black almost lipstick across their face. And it's easy to make the Joker comparison that they're his gangs of this type of Joker gang. But I don't necessarily think that's what's going to be the case. Or maybe Matt Reeves is laying some seeds here for potential storylines of the Joker down the line. I don't know, but these look like gang members or criminals straight out of the Arkham Asylum games. Because you see kind of some of Joker's men look like that with the white makeup on their face. So that's the vibe I got. But then when you hear him ask, one of them says, so who are you supposed to be thinking you know, Batman looks ridiculous and he's going to put him in his place? And boy, did we get a moment that I was not expecting, but it was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, wow, this is the type of Batman we're going to get in this movie and the fighting choreography. And again, it was mainly just... Batman blocking that criminal's attacks, but the the speed of it and the choreography of it was just so well done. I was just like, oh, yes. Like, this is seeing Batman with this type of fighting style was just great to see. But then he just goes that extra mile where he just really lays the beat down on him. And that was like the surprising part. And like you said, Paul, this is a Batman that isn't quite seasoned just yet, where down the line, like you see him get mad at Jason Todd for doing something like this doing something so extreme or like, like selling that's enough. But again, this is early in Batman's career at year two. So, and who knows what sets him off? Maybe this criminal says something besides just asking him, who are you supposed to be? But he says something that really sets Batman off to go down on him. So it would, but it was just crazy to see. It was just so cool. But what was even better than that was the line of dialogue afterwards. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people were expecting this. I know I was, I was expecting, okay, here it goes. Here's the, obligatory I am Batman moment that we're going to get in this movie. And they're just already getting it out of the way and showing in the trailer. But nope, that's not what he says. He says, I am vengeance. And I love that because obviously I can make being the huge Batman animated series fan that I am. It harkens back to the classic line. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Obviously he's not going to say all three of those descriptions, but just saying the word vengeance, hearing them say I am vengeance was great. It was different something unique for this movie, but just going back to the aspect of Batman that I love to why he's doing this, the murder of his parents and wanting revenge. And that's an aspect I don't think any of the movies have touched on quite frankly for Batman. And as far as being his motivating factor of why he's doing it, feeling that he needs to have that revenge for what happened to him. And that's not ultimately what defines him, but that is a part of his early drive. And that could be something as we're talking about, as with ego and wanting maybe to move on beyond that and to get away from not only for being just wanting revenge for himself, but feeling he's doing it for the greater good of Gotham and to what it really goes back to, to why he's doing this, making that promise to his parents to make sure what happens to him never happens to anyone else. And that's a theme that I really hope this movie focuses on because I've been wanting to see that be a theme in a live action movie for so long. I love what the Dark Knight trilogy did and his motivation for being Batman, but it's not my favorite aspect of Batman. Someone to inspire the inspire the city to move on from that corruption, and and once that's done, he'd hang it up. 
And that's good for if you're trying to tell a three-part story in that movie, which it did. But I've been dying to see that aspect of Batman be told in a movie for so long. And hearing him say, I am vengeance, gives me that hope. And again, I don't know if this is going to go fully into that. But seeing him or hearing him say that just made me think of that right away. And that just got me even more pumped as I was watching this trailer. I just mm. love that entire sequence. And to cap it off with hearing him say, I am vengeance, I absolutely loved it. That's an all-time moment, man. That yeah, was, already. Yep. Yeah, that was an all-time moment, and I think <clears throat> there was a lot of there. There's a lot of people who are still kind of not on the the Pattinson train. There are a lot of people, you know, obviously for a while criticizing the fact that he wasn't quote unquote working out or whatever. I well, mean, that was so ridiculous. Of, yeah, whatever. I mean, the whole the whole thing was ridiculous. Um, you know, but but that being said, they needed to have. Pattinson's Batman make an impact and they they chose something that was so utterly perfect for I think for on so many different levels you have I think you have the voice of Batman established off the mm-hmm. bat yeah it sounded you, great too it sounded great you've got the the fighting style of Batman and how he would look in motion with his bat suit and it looked great um, I think the fact that you're everyone's everyone being worried about how he would come across as imposing or whatever as Batman, that you that didn't matter. You saw how fast he was, like and everything. This is a different kind of Batman, and it all worked on screen. And I think that to me was the intention of that scene, of obviously probably in that movie as well. And I think it serves multiple purposes and it did a phenomenal job. And it already is a already. It seems like an iconic Batman moment, which Mm -hmm. maybe it won't be anymore after we see more of the movie. But as of this moment, that's everything everyone's talking about. And it's crazy. And I, yeah, I can't, I can't believe what we're getting in. It's, it's, it's crazy. So um, yeah, it was an amazing, it was an amazing moment. Uh, for a Batman fan, for any fan of Batman, and see that in action and those Joker characters. And I'm going to say it right now, I'm not saying that this is tied to that Joker movie, but knowing the end of that Joker movie and what he represents at that and, and at the mm-hmm. end of the Joker movie Good and point. all the inspirations, mm-hmm. and you see those characters there and the aesthetic that's going on in the Batman. You could make a real good argument, a really good argument, that they're in the same universe. Maybe not time, but the same universe. And that's, who knows? That's a good point. Yep. If the Joker, what if this movie takes place in the 90s? There's no reason. I don't think that, because I want to say there was someone on a cell phone, I think. I want to say there was a shot of like some type of someone using a cell phone where you could tell like it wasn't in the nineties. Mm-hmm. I don't know where, I, but I don't. Yeah, what what was there an actual? Cell oh, that's phone what now? it was. I think the person there was that shot where someone comes up, like he's there's like a bomb strapped to him, and he has like that phone tied to his hand. That's like having a countdown. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but you could you, you could get away with. It. I mean, you could say like it's like a you know whatever. But if you want it, yeah, it's true. But. Regardless is regardless of that is that I have always this I, and I know people are like groaning at this right now I don't really care, but <laughs> the thing is 
they don't Joaquin Phoenix is, is really a lot older, but I think he's supposed to be playing someone younger in that movie anyway, to, to be quite honest. And so, um, that being said, well, it obviously has that, to, if it is in the same universe, it has to be after because we see Bruce as a little kid in that movie. Well, that's true too. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot. I was his parents. Well, think about this. If you know, what if, what if the Riddler, remember the Riddler says, he starts doing things and he says you're involved too. And, and the, the Wayne family might be a lot darker than what he realizes. What if it plays off of that? I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. See, I mean, you I'm can tell I, if yeah. you wanted to, all those connections can line up. I mean, I, I, the and, only and the thing record, is like, yeah, that makes me go. No, is that Matt Reeves isn't going to want to feel like feels he has to like be beholden to jump off of that movie to use for his Unless he was so inspired by what he's like, love the exactly. Joker, he decided to jump off of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, in my I, as a betting man, I would say no, but I'm saying you could make a very good argument right now, in my opinion, by doing that. And I and I just tweeted it out because I wanted to tweet it out before we release this episode. Uh-huh. So I mean, the very, very for the record, I'm just saying that you the very the, just that very end scene, which I think is a joke. I think Joker is a brilliant film. I've gone on record saying that it's brilliant. Yeah. I don't care if people like think what whatever. The Joker is a brilliant film, and if you look at that ending, I mean, it's horrifying what's happening. But the ending of that movie is so is so phenomenal with the music and what the Joker becomes and what really what he would turn into some gen, you know criminal genius. Is kind of this is the, the origin of that character and the fact that people would follow him that to me makes a lot of sense thematically of what the Joker would inspire in, in those people. So when I see those things together, it makes a lot of sense and you know, and what he would inspire himself. So it's interesting. Again, I'm not saying that it's 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 100%, I'm just saying. You could make an argument, but yeah, but that scene is phenomenal. Yeah, it's something to think about. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how we get like these quick shots of seeing more of Batman in action. We see him using his grappling hook, going up a, a building, which to me reminded me of Batman Begins in that moment <laughs> where he's making his escape with all the bats. And then we see him, we see him get shot point blank by, by I think one of those same gang members there. And then there's also this quick shot of him look like he's having like an argument with a police officer at the police station with like Gordon has kind of has to hold him back. And I kind of like that too, because we don't see it a lot, but there are moments where Batman and Gordon really like have these heated arguments where Gordon gets mad at him. And while we know they have this great friendship and this relationship of working together, I think it just makes those moments when we see stuff like that, the relationship so more, so much more real and you appreciate it more where they do have these arguments where Gordon just kind of has to, put Batman in line for a little bit or just say how things differently, how they have to operate than what Batman can do. So it's just going to be interesting to see what triggers that argument and what makes Batman go off, go after that police officer and Batman or Gordon kind of have to hold him back. So I did like seeing that. And then we kind of get towards, uh, we see the Batmobile in action for a little bit. We see the engine ignite and does Penguin make a comment about it? <laughs> like kind of how crazy this guy is. So a lot of more great stuff there. But then it kind of gets to the end of the trailer where we get that monologue at the end of Riddler talking to Batman and Batman kind of saying 
like how am i a part of this and riddler says like you'll see or you'll find out something to that effect and we see that last shot of robert pattinson without his helmet and i know everyone's making a big deal about this on twitter but the fact that they're acknowledging he uses that eyeshadow or that eye makeup to of course he does yeah, but the fact that because we know there's that infamous scene in Batman Returns. Oh my God, it's so bad. <laughs> where he takes oh off his God. mask and you don't see it at all. So I know everyone was like that they're using it in the movie, but it was disappointing to see that reaction it got from it. But yeah. it's just I loved hearing that because again, going back to that theme of how Batman's just the Wayne family and their connection to this, I guess this mystery that's going to be involved in this movie and the crimes and these murders that. And this point that Riddler is trying to make. And it just harkens back to that idea of the Wayne family, how there's more to them as far as maybe being, you know, the king and queens of Gotham, that they probably the reputation they have where they could have been involved with some shady and criminal stuff because that's going to be a different take on Batman, but one we haven't seen before. And the one I'm referencing to is the story in the telltale Batman games where they really dove into where the wings weren't all that they seen. And the fact they were just flat out, Thomas Wayne was a flat out, flat out criminal and a bad person. And to question Batman doing what he did, you know, knowing that his family has this dark history and if he should continue on doing that. So I don't know if they're going to go that exact same route as the telltale games, but it's going to be so interesting and different to see in a movie as far as maybe, there's going to be more to the Waynes than we've ever seen before and how they're not going to be this perfect ideal family that they kind of had the reputation of being in Gotham. That's what Riddler wants to try to expose and have Batman question what he does if he learns the truth for maybe learning what his family could have been involved in that not is not necessarily something he is going to be happy to find out about. So it's just, again, adds to that mystery of this movie and the story and this detective story that we're going to get here. And that's going to be unraveled as we see Batman try to solve this case. And I'm all here for it just to make it more personal for him and just go back to, again, his family history and his roots to why he does what he, or why (laughs) I'm losing my train of thought. I'm so excited here. I just cannot talk about the potential of what the story can mean and seen in a live action Batman movie for the first time, really driving home, the focal point of it being on his family and the murder of his parents. I just, it just has me so excited. Yeah. I guess for me that this trailer was, in my opinion, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great trailer. Um, I mean, I think the one thing we didn't even touch on yet, Tim, was the fact that, uh, this is only like, what, like not even halfway done filming. Yeah. Like 25%. I think I've heard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. that They had all this great stuff to show. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. It's um, yeah, it's it's insane. So I, I think that this movie bodes very well, and I I I mean I've I think I, there's not been a lot of Batman films that I haven't liked, even films that I'm not really crazy about, like a Dark Knight Rises. I still enjoy it as a Batman movie because I love Batman as a character. He's one of my favorite fictional characters of all time. So it's it's definitely something that I. It definitely looks like it's going to be a, a really fun, fun. It's going to be a, a good movie to watch. I, I, I look forward to it. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm not just look forward to it. I'm, can't wait for it. It's going to be great. And it, I think there's, this could be a, another gigantic success for Batman. And I am hoping it is. And, and yeah, I hope it. And what's uh, one last thing? I just want to get a Robin in, the, in these films sometime. Here, Let's get yes. a freaking Robin. Yes. I don't care. 
there's there what here's what's gonna happen. Mark my words. I don't care if it's ten years from now, Tim, when we're old men. We'll just say this. There is gonna be there is a writer out there. Maybe it's Matt Reeves, I don't know. But there is gonna be a writer out there. And what's gonna happen is they're gonna introduce there's a way to introduce Robin that we none of us have thought of, or they're gonna piece something together where it's gonna feel so natural and so authentic. We're all gonna say, Why didn't we all think of that before? Mm-hmm. And it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen to me it's already there i mean <laughs> no, no i agree i agree but what i'm saying is it's gonna happen we're, we're gonna be like oh man that's perfect like you couldn't done it any better like it's gonna yeah. be like it's gonna be the right actor the right and it's gonna be a, a great way to set up a future robins in the future for different universes or whatever it's 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 gonna be like the batman begins of robin if you will yeah like, it's gonna <laughs> happen at some point and it's gonna be so obvious of like Oh, like, duh, that's how it works. Perfect. We're done. We're good. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's going to so, happen. Yeah, it's like, see, it wasn't that hard to do it. <laughs> kind yeah, of time. exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, it took yeah. him so long. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I agree. That's something I'm so dying to see in a live-action Batman movie. Because, yeah, that Same. could be a whole other tangent or topic I could go on. But, um, yeah, trailer was fan- amazing. It, like I said, it blew me away. And it was just the perfect way to end what was a great day of DC content. It was really fantastic. So, yeah, the Batman, I really think it's shaping up to be something that's going to be truly special. And said that before for some Batman movies like The Dark Knight. And that delivered. And I'm getting the same vibe for this one. So we cannot wait. And like you said, again, only they're about only 25% done with principal photography. So who knows how much other great stuff is down the pipeline for amazing footage that we're going to be seeing not only when we see the movie obviously but in future trailers to come so this is just the tip of the iceberg and it's all very very exciting yep so yeah that's our recap for dc fandom just a great day in general it's all this amazing stuff to geek out about and just look forward to in the world of dc like i said earlier 2021 is going to be a great year for dc movies and dc content and just got to hope things kind of get back to normal by then where we're all able to go to movie theaters and enjoy this stuff. Cause it's all shaping up to be really, really special. And we just can't wait speaking for all DC fans and just comic fans in general <laughs> right now. I think it's safe to say we all can't wait to see the stuff that was shown off at DC fandom. It was just a really great day to be a fan of all this stuff. But with that, um, that's going to do it for our main feature topic, but We also got another big release this week, and this is on the comic front. So we're going to be going into our comic book reviews for this episode. And it's going to be on the first issue of the much-anticipated Three Jokers storyline by Jeff Johns and Jason Favok. And it's finally here. So as always, got to give out the spoiler warning here. Probably not going to go into every deep dive detail in here because it's a big issue but especially at the end that's what i got to give the spoiler warning for here because there's some big stuff that happens that i wanted to talk about so throwing that out there and as always got to have our rating scale paul you probably don't know but we give we have a different rating scale for every episode that we do that's gonna okay. sound ridiculous or <laughs> ties into what we're talking about mm-hmm. so i'm going to be thinking for this one a rating scale is going to be other nirvana songs we'd love to hear in batman future batman trailers <laughs> three out of one out of five so we'll see how many the joker score i give is how many nirvana songs i want to hear in future trailers wait so. what i'm so confused right now what's going on 
You'll hear when I give my score. <laughs> You're not familiar with how our radi- ridiculous rating skills work, but it's always Fair. something, always something different. Okay. But so for this issue, man, it starts off great, where we see Bruce getting patched up by Alfred. I mean, the Batmobile crashes into the gravestone of his parents in front of Wayne Manor, so you know something big's going has went down. But apparently, it didn't have much to do with the three Jokers just yet. Which that was the tease preview that was being revealed early on as they were announcing Three Jokers at its release date and how it's going to come out. That was one of the first images they teased. But it turned out Batman's just all bruised up and bloody from an umbrella staff from the Penguin. But I just love how this comic opened up with showing off all the scars Batman has had throughout the years and his encounters with the different villains, like Bane breaking his back, is like being burned by Riddler's staff, scratched by Catwoman, Scarecrow, all these different things. And then the last ones they show are the many different encounters that he's had with the Joker and the different scars that it's left. And you start hearing this laughter or seeing these laughters in the background and it triggers in Bruce's memory his the death of his parents. And we get the recap of that. And I just loved how Jeff Johns wrote it where after we see Bruce remembering the murder of his parents, we hear Alfred say, this wound is deeper than the others. And it's just so beautifully said of how out of all the physical scars we're seeing on Bruce here, that is the deepest one, the biggest scar that's always going to be with him. And then we start getting our first reveal of one of the Jokers and the crime that they started. And I love how the three different Jokers here, they each have kind of like their moniker, the criminal, the comedian, and the clown. And we're seeing the first uh, mur- or first crime that the criminal has done. And it ties into Bruce's history and the murder of his parents, where this Joker has eliminated the whole Moxon family, which depending on the origin you look at but this is one of the first batman origin stories i've read about in the untold legends of the batman comics where lou moxon was the one who hired joe chill to kill the murderer or to kill thomas wayne and martha wayne because of him testifying against moxon that put him away to prison so i love that jeff johns is kind of using that story thread here he doesn't said that it was confirmed but it says that they were they gained notoriety of being accused for orchestrating the Thomas Wayne murder, but they were exonerated off that. So we get to see that. And what I love about this issue, what Jeff Johns does, is just seeing the biggest trauma that our three main characters in the story have gone through. Obviously, Batman, the murder of his parents. Barbara Gordon is the one we see next, as we see in the next crime being described that the comedian joker did as far as murdering this other comedian on a live stream and seeing barbara's reaction to that and just seeing how it's affecting her and her remembering from the killing joke about getting shot and then we see jason todd that as we get to more into the clown version of the joker we see jason todd's trying to take down his thugs and get more information he's harkening back to his trauma of being of what the joker did to him before he died so we know this was another thing that was teased by Jeff Johns of how the story is really going to dive into the trauma that these characters have had and what the Joker has done to them and how they dealt with that and how they continue to cope through that as they continue, continue to be crime fighters. And then the next part of the story is this murder in Ace Chemicals as these three men who are dressed in red hood garb and then dosed with Joker toxin. And obviously Joker is trying to make a point here as far as this is where it all began for him, where he was created. And then they're just trying to figure out 
how is this possible that all three of these murders are happening? And there's eyewitnesses and footage confirming that it's the Joker happening simultaneously. So again, establishing that mystery of what the three Jokers is all about and just how I just cannot wait to see what Jeff John has in store for us as far as what is the reasoning and behind the three Jokers and what this is all going to entail. So we get this great action, action moment here where Batman, Barbara are trying to escort one of the victims who responds back, who is not dead, and is sort in an ambulance, and it's revealed that Jason Todd, as the Red Hood, is waiting for this victim in the ambulance to try to get information, and Batman and Barbara see this commotion going on inside. So Batman has to get involved and try to stop Jason, and they have this brief little scuffle here. And that just brings them kind of all to work together to get on the same page as establishing they need to find out how there are three jokers here and they're kind of the same mindset as you know it's impossible obviously these two there's two of them that are impossible there's only one but you just there's this eerie feeling you get amongst them where they don't want to admit it yet but they know that it's more than that how it's just something afoot here that has never been they never experienced before and batman obviously has an inkling of that because when he was on the mobius chair at the end of the dark side war that's where he got the reveal when he asked the chair who was the joker and it told him it can't answer that because there are three jokers so batman obviously has had the suspicion but just seeing him trying to kind of confront it for the first time with barbara and jason and how they react to that is just again great character work that, that i think jeff john is doing here and speaking of these three characters doing what they're doing to trying to figure this out we get our first great moment of the three jokers interacting with each other as the Clown Joker comes back to their hideout and is greeted by the comedian. And they're referred to the criminal Joker kind of as the boss and the ringleader of these three Jokers. And it makes sense that it would be this one because it is the one that is harkening back to the original Joker that we've seen in like Batman 1. And that the way he's designed and the kind of the more serious out of the two and having that kind of personality aspect. It just makes total sense that I think that he would be the leader amongst these two. But I just love seeing the d- different dynamics that these three Jokers were having with each other. And just what is their plan? Again, we don't know the whole reason of their existence just yet. But we see that the criminal Joker says, you know, what their plan is, we got to do what we always do. We got to try to make a better Joker. Like, what exactly does he mean by that? And just all this fascinating stuff that is being created with this mystery of the storylines of three jokers that Jeff Johns is doing here that is just so fascinating and just can't wait to learn more about. So Batman, Barbara and Jason, they get to uh, the Gotham Aquarium where again, harkening back to the classic Joker story, the laughing fish, which is straight out of something that the clown Joker would do. And they investigate there and these thugs come out and there's this, Oh, joker sidekick or goon called gaggy who i'm not too familiar with i kind of had to (laughs) refresh myself with some of his early stories that maybe he was in but obviously he was someone who's had experience with the joker being his henchman so we get a scuffle here between them and this great artwork by jason fabok here especially that panel of the shark induced with joker talks and we've seen laughing fish before but not a laughing shark and it would just Kind of creepy to see, but it's awesome to see at the same time, too. So the clown Joker does make his presence known. They have a little fight. The Batman, Barbara, and Jason get the upper hand and are able to take him into custody. But then Gordon calls Batman, telling him they just cornered Joker number two. So Batman has to go investigate that, and he leaves the clown Joker to Barbara and Jason. But kind of make sure, like, make sure you secure him, make sure you search him, and just, like, don't do anything foolish. 
And this is where we get to probably the best moment of the story at the end, where it's just Jason and Barbara with the Joker. And they think, you know, they got the Joker. The other two are the imposters, but this is the Joker. He looks like the Joker. He sounds like him. This is him. And just the way, man, Joker's dialogue here, the way he taunts Jason, it was just kind of really sad to see knowing Again, going back to that trauma that these characters have gone through because of the Joker and the Joker just really just stabbing an old wound here, just twisting the knife to what he says, Jason. It was, I think this really powerful stuff and just adds a whole new layer and pretty much a new reveal to the whole death of the family storyline and the death of Jason Todd originally. I mean, the first thing that Joker says, or not the first thing, but one of the big reveals is him admitting that he knew what he did to him wasn't going to kill Jason, that it was his intention to leave him alive. But the stuff he reveals here is this man saying what Jason said to him, begging for his life. Joker sit like telling him to remember, do you remember what you said? Like saying, please stop. I'll do anything. And the key words are, I'll be your Robin. And that just really strikes a chord with Jason. Jason begins to cry here. And you know, Jason it's true because he's not denying it. Jason would be the type to say, like, that's not true. I would never do that or betray Batman. But the fact that Joker is reminding him of what he said here is just really hitting at the core for Jason. And then just saying, what I said was true. You did become my Robin. You came back as the Red Hood shooting people and making Batman's life miserable. What my whole intention of doing what I did to you, it all paid off and worked out. This is exactly what I wanted. And that just... Jason wasn't going to have it anymore. Barbara tries to tell him to put down the gun. And she, at the at this time, we're thinking she's doing all she could to stop him. She runs to him, throws a battering, and it doesn't have any effect. Jason just shoots Joker right in the head, k- killing him. So one of the Jokers is already off the table here. Barbara's in shock. and But Jason is telling her, you know, you secretly wanted wanted me to do it too. And he goes, when was the last time you missed throwing a battery, Barbara? And that just hits her hard, too, where she just says, screw you, Jason, and walks out the door. And the issue ends with Barbara leaving Jason, looking at Joker's dead body, and just saying, I hope that's the right one. And man, just what a great, powerful moment here. This is, I've seen this from a, a reaction from a lot of different Batman fans on social media about the issue in general, how this is already becoming an all-timer. But in particular for me, this moment here just speaks volumes to what Joker has done to these characters. And just, again, that emotional toll that is taken on him. And this is how they're trying to cope and live through it. But at, it's just, at the same time, you can only take so much. And what Joker said to Jason here is just really powerful. And, you know, the type of person that Jason is, it's not surprised that he couldn't hold back and just shoot him here. So great, powerful stuff here, I thought that Jeff Johns is doing with this whole idea of three Jokers. And I can only imagine what's going to be coming next for Barbara and the comedian Joker. And then what I'm assuming, because I think each issue is probably going to focus on one. This one was with Jason. The next one might be with Barbara. And then the ultimate would be, we're hopefully where we get the answers. And then Batman is facing off against the criminal Joker. And who knows what that's going to expose with Batman and the trauma he's dealt with throughout the course of his life. Again, Harkening back to the murder of his parents as this issue started off with. So I just cannot wait to get into all that deep, hardcore stuff with these characters and with Jeff Johns writing it. I just, as he showed in this issue, he knocked it out of the park. And I think he's going to do the same for the next two. So I love this issue. It was worth the wait. It lived up to the hype. And I just cannot wait for more. It was fantastic. So I'm going to go ahead and give it 
five out of five Nirvana songs I hope to see in future Batman trailers. I absolutely loved it. So, yeah, amazing. <laughs> Your thoughts, Paul? Because <laughs> I know uh, I, I think, rambled on there for a while. <laughs> yeah, you, you did, but it's fine. Uh, I get your I, okay. Now I get your rating system. Um, <laughs> all right, I think so. Uh, as some of you might not know, I'm on a a podcast uh, with my good friend Chris. We we call the Comic Binge, and where we just talk about we or we talk about we, we talk about comics obviously but we we get a story and binge it and then we talk about it and then we talk about where to go after the binge where we you know each of us might take the our reading afterwards if we're if we so love the story if we're gonna take the binge or whatever um we're actually gonna have a special uh fill-in issue or uh, episode excuse me on this issue and probably this whole series altogether. and um uh, really excited about it so I'm going to give my deeper thoughts on that on that show. So I'm going to plug my comic fan show um, right now. Yeah, but, everyone uh, should check out anyway. Any comic fan. Thank you. <laughs> really thank you. Great. Which we'll get we'll get you on for the long Halloween. I think that's to be a lot, that'll be a lot of fun to do eventually. Maybe we'll do it around the uh, the release of the movie or yeah, that'd be great. you know something like that. We'll get we'll maybe I'll get you on sooner, but we'll definitely save the long Halloween for you. Um, you know, but whatever. Uh, that there's all that being said. Yeah, what Tim said. Five out of five Nirvana songs. Yeah, uh, this this is an this is a phenomenal story already, and it's already becoming, I think, an instant classic. Uh, it's gonna be, and um, the art is phenomenal. The yes. the the story the the story structure and the layouts of, of everything is phenomenal. It's just it, you know I. I hope it sticks to landing. So far, it's phenomenal. It's going to be what three issues of yeah, like extra, yeah, okay. So it's got two which more makes issues. Sense. Like I said, one for each Joker. It seems like it's going to focus on, which is perfect. I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um, so yeah, I'm really excited. Um, seeing, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, it's it's this is great. So, um, yeah, read, read read if you are if you're if you're not really into comics or you're kind of only into the you know the more other medium. Uh, Batman stuff. I highly recommend finally taking the 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 action of of reading the Three Jokers. It's phenomenal. You're not going to regret it. I think it's really good. Nope. Yeah, I've seen a few people ask me on Twitter, like, "Do I need to know like what's going on in current Batman comics to read it?" It's no. Like, nope. It's like all you need to know is the death of the family, killing joke. You're good to go, <laughs> and like you can easily yep. jump into it and yep. get the most out of it too. So yeah. Yep definitely recommend it. I think it's one of those ones that is not to be missed. Yeah. So yeah, with that, that's going to do it for this episode. And Paul, thanks again for joining me on this one. Hopefully it's, it's not the last time I have a feeling it won't be, but, but this was a lot of fun to get to geek out with you. Oh, all this absolutely. It, it, and Tim, and, and Tim already knows this. Anytime he wants me to jump on a, a show I'm, within a reason, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get on it. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, you know, thank you for having me on. It's an honor to be on on your show. Um, you know, Tim's one of my really good friends, and yeah, this is awesome. I, I mean, this is stuff we talk about normally. We, I mean, honestly, we should do a show where we just like I did, we just like have like one sentence and we just go and we'll, yeah. uh, and we'll just BS for like two hours and release it. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. That essentially is what our conversations turn into. Just when I, you know, we haven't talked in a while. Let's catch up. What are you doing, Tim? Oh, I've done this. Oh yeah. Oh, by the way, did you see? Oh yeah. Did you know? And we just two hours later. Yeah. yeah. Two hours later, it's like oh, I gotta go, man. You know, yeah. uh, that's it, with me. You can't shut me up. And and Tim's always very very gracious. Lets me talk for at least an hour and a half of that two hour conversation. <laughs> so, uh, no. But uh, 
Tim's great, and thank you so much. And yeah, um, if you don't know who I am, uh, check me out on Twitter at Herman22 uh, with two N's, aka P Thug. Um, again, I'm on the show. I'm one of the hosts for Saga Continues with Tim. I don't and, know about uh, that podcast. It's, uh, yeah, one yeah, of the hosts kind of gets on my nerves. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that guy who doesn't like that Eels Ewok movies. You know, I mean, <laughs> not so, that guy, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm talking with that guy. That guy bugs me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just no, but um. Obviously, um, yeah, I'm on the show with them. I'm a giant Star Wars fan, and we all talk and love Star Wars. But if you only listen to this Batman podcast and never heard of me before, yeah, check out uh, Saga Continues with me on there, or check out my comic binge episodes, our, our podcast, because that's probably like my favorite podcast to do right now, just because it's just so, it's just so, it's I don't know, it's just like so, it could be anything, you know. It, it's 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 a lot of fun, and it's me and me and Chris is like just. I love riling, riling Chris up. It's so much fun. It's like, I don't think I, that's probably one of my favorite things to do in life is to rile Chris up. <laughs> just, just, just like, just put yeah. a little jab at Star Trek and <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, you know, if you listen to the song continues, you, you've heard me rile Kyle up. I, I love riling, riling Kyle up too, but there's, but like even Kyle, he's, he, he takes a while for me to kind of get him riled up, you know, but with, with Chris, I had to say a couple of things and he's already lost. He's already gone. He's already lost his mind. And I love <laughs> it. So it's so easy. He falls for it every time. And I, I just can't help it. I love it. And so, uh, you know, Chris is a great friend and a really close friend of mine as well as, as, as besides Tim. So, um, it's great, but yeah, it's, um, thanks again for having me on, man. This is great. Yeah, definitely. And as always, you can check us out at the Batman Universe at thebatmanuniverse.net. You can follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse and on Twitter at batmanuniverse. And our Twitter handle is at uh, batfans. Uh, if I can talk about because I said that the last time I do it by myself. Our old Twitter handle was at batfans27, but it got changed to at just the batfans podcast. And I hardly do our outro. It's always Dane who does it. So I always fumble with thinking of our old Twitter handle when I said it. But it's at Bat Fans Podcast. And you can follow me at TimG311. And if you want to follow Dane, you can follow him at Dane Says Banana. And with that, we like to say at the course, we got to say at the end of every episode, we love each and every one of you with all three of our Joker hearts. <laughs> so until next time, see you guys. Yeah.